from my rock dicey, Gundam Wing from Birdwing! Transform from Battle Suit to Birdwing as he and the other Gundams battle the enemies of Earth! Welcome to episode 40 of Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by... Neo. And Sobro Ryu. All right, and uh, in this episode, uh, sort of another themed episode of a different type. We're taking a little bit of a break from uh, anime, but we're still going to be talking about robots. And we're going to be covering, from beginning to end, the reimagined Battlestar Galactica, starting with uh, the miniseries that kicked it off all four seasons of the show and the two TV movies Razor and The Plan. And this oh, has got the so bonus of actual soul bro participation outside of what yes. happened in Galactic Heroes. He <laughs> yes. actually got off his lazy butt to watch something for once. He did. Oh my god. Indeed. Minds are blown. So, also in this episode we'll be debuting the MHQ mailbag which will be coming after Neo's news. So without further ado I will turn over to Neo to give us the news and then we will... Uh, open up the first few pieces of the mailbag so it's, it's very appropriate that the news would be very light this time for the first edition of the mailbag or the mail set but um first one here is uh this is actually comes from one of our listeners jabman 025 oh jeff and I, I think this is an economic plan the president should introduce to congress here because it seems like the gundam statue is about to bring 20 40 billion yen to uh, the you know the the one one hundred or the one one RX seventy eight, it's uh, being sent over to another area. And where does this say it's going again? The Japanese Somewhere in Japan that is not Tokyo. The J- Japanese Let's save you the, the trouble of pronouncing it Shinzuka, and it's going to be in front of some train station. Yeah, because we'll probably get all the hate from the people who think that I should be Chris pronouncing the, uh, the Japanese names better. <laughs> So, so sorry. So, Neo, um, if you think that the president should introduce this sort of plan um, for something similar, what American icon of uh, robotics should be put in place to uh, boost tourism? Well, that's a, that's a that's a good question there because I I really don't know, but um, I have an idea, but it's not a robot. What? Build a one-on-one scale enterprise. Put it somewhere, man. Yeah. One that you can that, walk that inside, work. go to the bridge, all that craziness, man. Heck yeah, man. It would be you, what you build it. You can't move it. Well, <laughs> it, it's it's funny about why this. Don't, why don't you start a petition for that? I, I will. I will. It's it's funny about this because we we finally get to see all the, in this article here, uh, courtesy of the people at Animated News Network. We finally kind of get the, I guess, the economic impact of of what this um, statue did back here in the summer in Odaiba. But uh, last year it attracted four point one five million visitors. And um, they had only predicted about a million and a half people were going to um, visit it before it was built. And in this new city, they're thinking it's going to it's going to uh, attract about nine hundred thousand visitors and about forty um, billion yen over the course of three hundred days. Because you know, of course, they have all the like from what Pe- uh, Pedo Bear South told us, all the little you know tchotchke shops around it. <laughs> so, um, and this is funny too. It's uh, a- According to the city, 900, 
Uh, 9,600 uh, 9, jobs will be created for security, maintenance, and other operations in the site. So, I mean... You see jobs, man. Yeah. Jobs, son. Yeah, security. Something that Ooh. they don't actually have in, in Universal Century. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why, why, why would you say that? The fact that the prototype weapon of mass destruction is always easily just laying there with the keys in the ignition ready to be uh, snatched Stolen up. by some uh, bratty teenager. Or, you know, some, some, some Xeon guy. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we were wondering where it was going to head to, but it's going to go into this new city and for the next year or so. And some more details about the ex exhibit's duration and some of the events that are going to be around it are going to be announced at the end of March. And, um, of course, they're going to... It's also stationed by the um, Shinzuka's Bandai Hobby Center, which is a production factory for the Gundam plastic model kits, so... All those outfitting, yeah. All those poor bastards that are sitting there creating uh, the Gelgu cannon. Ooh. You go out during lunch and have a cigarette and look at the look at the thing that's giving them a job. So it's official, man. Japan has solved the economic crisis. Yeah, Everybody celebrate. Go. Put some useless uh, uh, imaginary figure oh, on display. Don't say that, man. It's well, not useless. Well, like I said, though, I mean, you can't battle with it. So what's the point of it? One day, Neil. One day. I want to be able to <laughs> shoot. I'd like to be able to shoot the beam beam rifle. That's all I want to do. Um, so that I'd like to thank Mr. Jabman on that. And the final article that I have is from Flamex. And what's with all the people in Japan wanting to commit suicide? What's Damn. with all these guys? <laughs> the guy that was Dozel Zabi. Oh yeah. Yeah, he committed suicide. They, this is so they they found him in his on the on a street on his back with his wrist slit. What is what is wrong with these people? Man. So no comment. No, yeah. yeah. I don't know what to say. Um I'll say rest in peace, whatever he, those and problems the, were. And this is from uh poster Flamex. It got us off Sankaku Complex. And they show a picture of the guy and he does look a little creepy. Oh, but um but he's he dead. Dozel, man. And he was Dozel Zabi and not gone. only was he in there, but he was in Fist of the North Star, uh Dra and Dragon Ball Z. And uh, he had some recent roles in One Piece, Dora Man and Slayers, so See so he um, had work? He had work. I don't. I mean, what is this? They're just like you know, life just doesn't work the way it should. I'm dying. Hey, man. So, but that's the news. So on that depressing note, we'll go to the the mail bag. So hopefully that'll um, bring up bring our spirits up a little bit. More. Great segue. Well, I don't know about that because uh, <laughs> both of our letters from the mail bag come from Canada. Oh, oh man. Ouch. Ouch. The Great White North, man. The the <laughs> first one comes from the suspicious red lamp. Hey, who says, I just wanted to know what show you were planning to talk about on future segments like Idean, Sokyono Fafner, Razafan, Super Robot Wars, etc. I just need some answers. Sorry for my English. Take a look at my location. Well, nothing seems wrong with your English. Sadly, it's better than native speakers in a lot of cases <laughs> from what I've seen. So what is he from? What's he from? Uh, French Canada? He's from Quebec. Oh, okay. Well, keep so it, I would man. say... I would say he's doing just fine. Yeah. So, um, in terms of uh, things we'll be discussing, uh, we talked about Super Robot Wars a long time ago, so I would suggest looking at the uh, episode index to find out where that was, because that was, what, like episode 11 or something? That was uh, the introduction of Pedo Bear North. Yeah, that was the universe. That was the, 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 the season debut yeah, of Destiny yeah, the series debut of, uh, of Pedal Bear North. So we've already talked about Super Robot Wars. We might come back to it at some point. Uh, some of these other shows we do plan on talking about. Uh, we've talked about a day in here and there, but uh, it deserves Not in depth, yeah. Not in depth. 
Uh, Fafner we do plan on. Uh, Razafun we do plan on. Uh, <laughs> full full Metal Panics. Anything else you guys want to tease? Full Metal Panic. I'm I'm almost halfway through the show right now. So um, if um, if anything, we might you might hear something about it. Maybe next episode. Maybe I'm lying. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, one that I I'd, I'd like us to do, and and this will probably uh, bring flashbacks to Solbro because this is who challenged him on the Solbro um, guarantee. Uh, Zambot three finally was able to watch that show and. It's it's just one of those shows you just got to talk about because it's just bizarre, very yeah, bizarre. I've got it all, man. I got it, so um, yeah. I will start partaking of that as well. Um, I don't know, and and, and other things, um, you know, definitely at some point we're going to be discussing uh, Pat Labor. Yeah. yeah, and I think Chris, you wanted to revisit uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes Guide Ends down the road. Yeah, also since we did the original, sh- you know, the original OBA and all that. I'd like to revisit uh, Votum sometime. Now that um, both you and I have seen it, yeah, we can we can finally you know add our spin on that as well, and and talk about the other parts of Votums as well. But Unicorn, I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh man! Even though we said we wouldn't talk about it, but we probably will <laughs> once me and Chris get our Blu-rays of it. Okay, so we'll move on to our second question, which comes uh, from Peter. <laughs> oh, Peter. And Peter says. Okay, I'll take this opportunity to re-ask a question that was misread during that one episode. What genres do you guys like outside of mecha and sci-fi? What is your favorite anime that isn't sci-fi or mecha? Also, what is, in your opinion, the best mecha video game you've ever played? Ooh. Hmm. So, Sobro, you're on the spot first. <laughs> well, I can answer the last question with uh, pretty good assurance. The one that I, uh, the best mecha video game I've ever played and, and I own is um mobile suit gundam um uh z sorry uh it's gundam versus zeta gundam that's the one i really really like i I think that's a really uh probably the best gundam game i've played uh i do like the armored core series i played a little bit of armored core 4 but um how about that uh demo for mobile ops (laughs) (laughs) it was fun here's an obscure uh, mecha game that was really cool too um on the dreamcast there was a game that i believe only came out in japan it's from from software the people that do um uh armored core it's called frame grind (laughs) and it kind of takes the the uh concept of more knightish type mecha like the the suits you'd see in or battle or escaflone and you can build and customize those and fight Maybe them in like kind the of nightmares a, uh, yeah kind of like the nightmares but um you get to fight them in uh, arena type situations and it's kind of like a, a more medieval spin on armored core we must really- kung fu fight <laughs> something like that it's a really cool game um I, I dig that a lot um what was the other question that he asked what genre do you like outside of mecha and sci-fi what is your favorite anime that isn't sci-fi or mecha Oh, my favorite anime of all time is video. Uh, my favorite anime of all time that is a sci-fi or mecha is Video Girl Eye. Um, I just happened to see it at a at a at at, at, at it's probably one of the first uh, animes I saw that um that was uh, uncut and it was a bootleg and um, I really enjoyed the story to the point where I went and bought all the mangas. And other than that, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I I kind of got a flair for the shonen um genre, but I do like the common man stories too. Um, our guys. Stories that are set in realistic situations where you have extraordinary men of mediocrity. Uh, no, <laughs> featuring extraordinary people like Hugo uh, the Negotiator or um, Master Keaton. Um, anything people of extraordinary mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, supposedly, but uh, anything by, from Urasawa too. Love Monster and whatnot. But um, Neo, any um, questions? In terms any of the answers? game, I'd have to agree with like um, 
that Zeta Gundam versus Zeta Gun or Zeta Gundam versus Gundam was good, but the the one before Federation for Zeon, I think I liked that a little bit more. Um, the Armor Core games, I tried to play Armor Core for answer, but I just can't <laughs> understand it. Like what I'm supposed to do because it's like way technical. It seems like such a cool game, but I really <laughs> need help on this game because I want to enjoy it. But it's like I just don't know where to go because I'm very Story much. Fact. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> Even there, I was just having problems with it. It's just like, I don't know. Need a fact for the fact. I, I just, <laughs> it must be just my mindset of just always going forward and having big explosions. So it's like, I, I don't know. But um, in terms of anime outside of the mecha or sci-fi genre, anything with samurais, um, I'm always going to love. Uh, some, some of my favorite shows are like, um, even though it's, you know, a little bit more comical, but like uh, a Roni Kenshin I love. Um, uh, I liked it. I liked the when they redid the uh, Kira Kurosawa film of Seven Samurai, Samurai Seven, stuff like that. Right on. That's mecha and sci-fi. Oh. Is, I guess that is. Sorry. Did not. Um, I also like um, <laughs> large-breasted chicks uh, fighting. So of course I'm a big fan of stuff like Tenjo Tenge and the Ikatosin series. Man. So uh, Queen's Blade's right up your alley then. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen Queen. Uh, Queen's seen Blade. that too. But it's no cup smaller than a D. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's so amazing. Well, that, you get the hit. only exception is the dwarf princess. Oh. It's so amazing in the especially Akatosin, you get you get punched in the face, but yet your shirt rips open down the front. But um, you know. It's a funny thing to write gravity, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, gravity doesn't play too much of a key in there, just in certain points. So but um that and I, I have to say too, I know it mouth sign cliche, but I still love me some Dragon Ball Z. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe because of all the big explosions and stuff. It's like if Michael Bay did an anime, this would be the one he would do. Man. Maybe that was the problem. And Maybe and that was a, it, And he'd do it wrong. He would. Maybe that was the problem with uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. They didn't have him as director. He'd like Michael bay <laughs> His Fox is too cheap. <laughs> hey, he did Bad Boys too. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I guess I should answer this question too. I would hope so. so. Go ahead. Uh, I'll start with video game. Um, probably to the surprise of a lot of people, I hardly ever play mecha video games. Mm. Yeah. Mainly because a lot of them suck. Yeah, I gotta agree. Yeah, I don't play too many of them either, really. That's why it's probably re- limited in what I said, because it's all I've really played. So, you know, I've dabbled in things like, you know, Front Mission and, and Armored Core and all these things and Super Robot Wars, mm-hmm. um, you know, Macross Gundam, that sort of thing. Uh, probably my favorite mecha video game would be uh, the Dreamcast Gundam game Rise from the Ashes. Oh yeah! Oh yeah, that's right. Never got to play that, that game. game. Just had everything perfect of you know being uh, in the cockpit simulator, having a good story, good graphics for its time, uh, good gameplay. You know, it really felt like you were inside one of these machines and it controlled properly. It didn't feel like a piece of crap. It didn't have you know shoddy gameplay. Like so many other games do yeah. that bear the name Gundam. Oh, <laughs> I'm looking at you, PS3. Yeah, the only uh, the only failing for me in that game is that uh, it ends too quickly. Oh, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> but that definitely, I would say, is the best one that I've played. And um, as far as genres outside of mech and sci-fi, I pretty much watch anything uh, yeah. outside, say, you know, hentai that I don't really care for. So um, right now I've been watching a lot more things like supernatural shows and uh, mysteries, that sort of thing. So 
I can't name any one favorite because there's just so much I've seen. What do you, what do you call a favorite out of all of that? But um, yeah. you don't have like a you don't have like one that stands the test of time that you know you got exposed too young or anything like that. Um, I was exposed to Voltron as a kid, but that doesn't count. So, oh, yeah, but that's also Mecha too. Yeah, <laughs> and also well, you know, I've been sticking with One Piece for seven years, and uh, there you go. There's no other anime I could say that I've watched 400 episodes of. So. Damn. And still enjoy after all that time. Take yeah, that, that's, Detective Conan. That's, that's quite a feat. <laughs> and enjoy more now than I did seven years ago. That's Man. even a bigger feat. That, 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 that's ain't something, actually. So I, I take it One Piece is better than Season 2 of Double O. <laughs> season 2 of Double O was the worst One Piece since um, <laughs> Empty Geist. Oh, man. Oh, nice. man. <laughs> this is starting to sound like an equation. <laughs> Pretty much. Man. So uh, that covers this first installment of the mailbag. So if you want to uh, potentially have a question read, emphasis on potentially because posting one doesn't necessarily guarantee that it'll be read on air, uh, go to the Gundam subform on Megatalk and there's a thread called Gundam Mailbag Dropbox and you can post your questions there. Please don't make them stupid. Please don't make them too long. And for God's sakes, no top lists or favorites questions, please. <laughs> Why didn't you pick the one about Char's counterattack? Because <laughs> <laughs> did they really die? Did Amuro and Char die at the end of Char's counterattack? <laughs> As a question, will we, we we will never know the answer. I to. could definitely tell this because Chris holds the secret. He and he alone was asked in jail. <laughs> well, gentlemen. Uh, All right. That wraps up the mailbag. So if you guys don't have. Anything else? I'll turn it back to Neo to uh, get us out of the segment. Okay. Well, I guess turning it to me is fine, and we'll be going into our first uh, segment uh, covering uh, the first parts of the Battlestar Galactica Reimagined series. We'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. Let us do no such Gundam thing. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes Pretentious Internet Theater. My teammates, it was an honor to be on the court with you. You guys are the best. Even you, Vakaitis. Damn dumb son of a bitch. You don't understand a word I'm saying, do you? This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and uh, for the first of the three topics today, we're going to be talking about um, robots, but uh, this time of the Western variety rather than the uh, Eastern flavor you're all used to. And of course, I'm talking about Battlestar Galactica. Not the old 70s show, but uh, the one from the 2000s, the reimagined Galactica. And uh, we're going to be talking about the whole damn thing, 
this episode. So uh, we're going to be splitting it up, kind of like we did with uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes uh, a few episodes back. In this first segment, we're going to talk about the uh, miniseries that kicked everything off, along with the first two seasons. So um, a bit of background. Uh, Galactica originally uh, started up in the late 70s, but it died after just one season. Uh, briefly came back with a little spinoff, but that died too. And there were many attempts over the years to bring it back, and then finally uh, there was the um, reimagined version from uh, 2003, developed by Ronald Moore, a veteran of Star Trek, Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine. And uh, this show kind of uh, updated everything and uh, definitely is a sort of show that reflects a post-9-11 mentality, both in atmosphere and appearance and storyline. And uh, you've got this story again of man versus machine, this time you have um, these 12 human colonies that are technologically advanced, and uh, there's been a sort of armistice uh, for the last 50 years between them and the Cylons, which is this race of robots that humans created and then rebelled and went to war. Sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. And uh, these Cylons have been uh, quiet for about 50 or so years, but then they, they come back with a vengeance by disabling the human defense network and um, attacking the colonial fleet and nuking all 12 colonies in one swift motion. So billions and billions of people are dead. The fleet is in ruins, but uh, one battle star remains, the uh, clunky old Galactica, which was about to be decommissioned, and because it's an older ship, its systems are less advanced, and um, it was not affected by the uh, sabotage, if you will, <laughs> that affected all of the other battle stars. So... Um, You've got this ship commanded by Commander Adama, played by Edward James Olmos. And uh, you've got a whole cast of characters who are um, you know, refreshed versions of characters from the original series. There was a whole bunch of controversy at the time of uh, turning Starbuck into a woman. Oh, no. And there's other, other characters, uh, Boomer, Apollo, all of which appeared in uh, the original series. So basically, uh, you've got the Cylons who... You know, are advanced robots, but they also have human versions that are indistinguishable from regular people. And uh, now they're hunting down Galactica, which has escaped and is sort of the head of this ragtag fleet of human ships that were kind of out and about uh, while this attack happened. And pretty much all of the government is gone, and uh, the freaking Minister of Education, Laura Roslin, uh, gets sworn in as president because she's all that's left in the line of succession in a scene that very much resembles um, Lyndon Johnson taking uh, the oath on, uh, I guess it was Air Force One or whatever. Right. Well, it was Air Force One after he got the oath. It was whatever, yeah. Yeah, it's whatever it's called when the vice president's on there. It won't be. Yeah, it, it, but yeah, the, you, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. So um, now you have a civilian government that's very tenuous because, you know, humanity is almost extinct. You've got something, what, like 40,000 survivors, which is methodically tracked every episode when somebody dies, and they keep uh, revising those numbers downward. I think, it, I think it started off over 50, and then, yeah. yeah, it starts to go down every episode. Although it does go up occasionally when uh, a baby is born, but then it just keeps going back down again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not enough babies. Yep. Now you've got uh, the Galactica and this civilian fleet on the run, and uh, you have all of these Cylon infiltrators in the fleet, and uh, 
you know, it is known that there are 12 models, and uh, the question is figuring out which ones are which and what they're up to. So that's basically uh, what happened in the miniseries, the four-hour miniseries. And then um, the miniseries was intended to just be a miniseries and a backdoor pilot, and if it proved successful, then they were going to go to series. And it was successful. It was very successful. So uh, a few months later, they started up the uh, regular TV series, and uh, season one pretty much picks off right where they left off with a really good opener where um, everyone's kind of getting worn down because they have to keep jumping every half hour Thirty-three. so that the Cylons don't find them. I think that's actually probably one of the best episodes of the whole um, the, the whole show is because you know it really set that pace of these are humans against machines and it's like you, like you said every every half hour these things are coming up the humans are visibly worn down and you know the machines just keep attacking them so it just re- yeah it's like they're getting to the to the limits of of their sanity and yeah. and what humans can can bear whereas these machines are you know everlasting and can just keep going and going and going methodically cuz it starts off like this was like the third or fourth day that they've been doing this right like yeah they're doing so. it for a while and it's starting to wear them all down and you see everybody like snapping at each other and starting to go a little nuts yeah all that lack of sleep but yeah it just it reintroduces it reintroduces you to an already tense situation I mean, it's even more tense at this point for the fact that, you know, they're, they're running on fumes at this point. <laughs> Pretty and, much. Um, and, and, and there's all these problems where a lot of these ships are old and beaten up or they're tourist ships or, you know, they're just shuttles. They're not meant for the kind of purposes that they're using them for now, right. you know, which is to sustain the last little bit of humanity that's left. So what's interesting is in uh, Season 1, you have these uh, two storylines running throughout Season 1. One is the, uh, the fleet and the silent infiltrators, and then the other is a um, storyline of a uh, soldier named Hilo who volunteered to stay behind on Caprica so that uh, Baltar, a brilliant scientist, could get a seat on a raptor and escape to Galactica. And uh, you've got Hilo hanging out with... Um, this hot chick who he thinks is uh, Sharon Valeri, but she's actually one of the uh, Cylon models. And uh, he kind of falls for her, and the two of them are journeying across the nuclear landscape trying to find a way to get off the planet. And then at the same time, you've got a storyline moving towards them with uh, Starbuck going back to Caprica to find out who's there. And season one ends with uh, quite a cliffhanger because you've had developing throughout the whole season... um, they have Sharon Valeri on their ship, who is a number eight, but that particular one is a sleeper agent, and she's starting to go kind of crazy, wondering if she is a Cylon because she keeps doing things that she doesn't remember, like trying to sabotage the ship's water supplies, and she's kind of going crazy. And then at the end of the season, um, she's activated, and she uh, loads up Adama with a couple of bullets. Ooh. Almost like a Sopranos type assassination right there. <laughs> Pretty much. So what, what are you guys' comments on... Um, the miniseries and season one, oh, go since ahead. they kind of go hand in hand. Go ahead, Soul Bro. Oh boy. Uh, well, um, since you waited so long to watch this show, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I guess I, maybe we should start on this. Okay, can I borrow the keys, Chris? <laughs> yes, you can borrow the keys to the Straight Talk Express. Thank go you. Ahead. Straight Talk Express time. Well, you straight Talk. Bro. For for a man who lives by television, uh-huh. who has a DVR that glows red every day recording stuff <laughs> of you, <laughs> I don't understand how, and who likes sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> and who myself and and Bill Whipton, Mr. Bill Whipton, Sir Bill Whipton, Sir Bill Whipton, um, told you that this was a good show. 
I don't understand how it took you so long to watch this, man. It's easy, man. Um, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, when I was first, when I was growing up in the '80s, um, I had a father. There's that, no, there's no excuse no, on that no, though, because no, you me, knew it me, wasn't the same show. Let me finish. It, it ain't over yet. Um, my father was a big fan of the original Battlestar Galactica. Me, I had a strong aversion to anything Galactica at all because um, when I was growing up, my dad would watch that that show every weekend on his beta tape player. And um, I just I, I didn't have any love for the show at all. When I heard they were rebooting it in um, 03, I thought it was an interesting idea, but I really wasn't sure what they were doing with it. Didn't watch it. Didn't pay so, any mind to it. So and after after well, keep in mind, after people you knew, hold after hold on, all on, the on. stuff they talked about on Let TV, me, like done. it's it's <laughs> it, it's actually it's this this show actually probably had more people that weren't in the sci-fi fans of it that were. Keep in mind, I mean, I didn't meet you till '05. This show already had to run its first season and was well into its second when I met you, and we didn't even get to talk about Bella. Bella you're you're a man 06. who records Ninja Warrior on your DVD. Look, your your record <laughs> button just went on in your DVR. Look, I'm hey, looking at it right now. What are you recording? Be, besides, what the? I didn't really find out how good the show was until after I met you. The case in point. And then my interest peaked into watching it. But by then, the show was in full swing. I always thought about picking up the volumes on DVD or, um, <laughs> or just, you know, just, just, just f- catching up with it like I did the with The sports Lost. soup. Hey. You're recording the sports soup right now. <laughs> hey, all, oh I, know, all I know is, like, I didn't even get into Lost its first season. It wasn't until season two was about to begin where someone handed me the first d- season on DVD. Yeah, but so you, you, I, I, you it, started it, watching this after it's been done for... How long, when, when was it? Uh, no when was the last me. episode, Chris? Like what? December or November of last year? No, yeah. it was there, yeah. No one handed me something like that. I had yeah. to go. No, I, it was. Oh it was wait, like, was it like midsummer of of oh nine? Was it? Yeah. Let me see here. I don't remember. Yeah, it, it, was, it was not too long ago. March two thousand of oh nine. <laughs> it's not. It wasn't too long ago. But the, needless to say, no one. It's handed almost me, a year. No one handed me Galactica <laughs> at all. I, I had to go out and pick it up on my own, and they played on a Universal HD like nonstop. Yeah, but out of and they played it on Sci-Fi, who will play everything when you have ninety epic, times. When you have an epic series like that, you want to watch it from the beginning. I don't want to just jump in and and then try to get caught up on the internet. I want to watch it and, and experience it for Fail. myself. So I Fail. finally sat down and spent time doing it. And I'm needless to say, I was completely floored. I wish I watched it from jump. I wish I kind of you know was was watching it every week and and getting caught up in the in the in the tense situation because blowing it out like that you have the convenience of it all being in front of you and 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 watching it at your own pace but kind of watching it as it's going on it probably it's a better experience because it kind of allows you to feel that you're on the journey with these people and it is quite the journey i you know to me it what they did is they took the best elements of the original battlestar galactica and they they blended it with a new way of presenting it. Like it to me, it's like the two parts original BSG and one Uh-oh. part the shield, and they put it in a blender, and you, it turned out to be just really awesome. The way it's shot, the way it's presented, the way it focuses on the characters, all the arcs they have in the show. Um, I you know it's easy to get swept up in the show and really get invested in the characters. And watching BSG, it's it's or B Star G as as a lot of the fans call it. It's um. It's it's an engrossing experience. I've never heard that name until like one second ago. Really? Um, Beastargy? No. I've never heard anyone call it Beastargy. Then um, e- should, even the actors you, call it BSG. You should watch yeah. uh, you should watch the panel that um, Kevin Smith hosted. Uh, with, I think uh, I, I think you're just full of S H I T. Yeah. Okay, you know what? 
You know what? You know what? I'm gonna say this right now. I'm, at the end of this, at the end of this episode, uh. you're gonna hear the clip of Kevin Smith saying "B Star G." I promise you that. Um, but uh, anyway, um, BSG. And 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 Kevin Smith has what to do with Galactica exactly? Hey, he hosted the panel with um with with uh, with, <laughs> with James Callis and and Trisha Helferth and some other people who were there. And he's a big fan of the show. So I, I, that's all I that's all I got to say about that. He's and cool he's responsible for Jersey Girl. Hey man, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, watching the show, it's it's easily to me one of the best television shows of all time. Um, and um, I I gotta say it's it's. It's even really set the Ninja bar. Warrior. Yes, even better than Ninja Warrior. But no, Solbro, tell us what you really think. No? <laughs> but seasons one and two, because um, at the end of season, now we're talking about the miniseries the and mini- season one. <laughs> okay, miniseries yeah. and season one. Well, um, it's it's primarily- <laughs> pay attention for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Or you start pontificating. Well, you got people that are just like going off tangent. <laughs> like You're myself. the one who's going off tangent, <laughs> talking about your dad and his beta tapes and <laughs> hey man, that was that was my Kevin Smith and and all this stuff. That was my first introduction to Battlestar, so I figured it was actually some kind of important information there, but I guess not. But anyway, season season one <laughs> is is <laughs> I hate you both. <laughs> Oh man, Se- the miniseries in season one. Um, it's like fish in a barrel sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I know it's so easy, but um, no, there um, it it's it's probably the least stressful season for me. It's it you get to really know the characters, you you, you get to introduced to pretty much the elements of the world, um, get to introduced to some of the Cylons, and um, I really love Boomer your boy Struggle. number five. Yeah, my boy number so- five, Solbro's man number yeah. five. Solbro's man for uh for for this series is um Cylons. Silent number five, which will explain the reasoning for once we get to the segment about uh, the plan. Because <laughs> it, it, I guess it's not Billy who I would I would have pers- nah. suspected that would be my man, but apparently um he was no, he no. was he was a little too cool for to be to be yeah. to be my um to be in those ranks. But uh, no, I mean it's it's an introductory. It's a great first season. I mean, if if anything, when you watch a first season of a show, it sets the pace. For the rest of the series, and if it's not doing, well, that, I hope. I mean, if it's not doing that, it's 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 not doing its job, and this does its job, and then some. I mean, you get performances. I really think they found a cast that could that that could really bring out the performances of these characters and help to define those characters, like um, Katie Sackhoff, who plays um, Starbuck. You know, I remember hearing all the uh, all the rigmarole about, oh, they picked a female Starbuck. That's the reason why my dad won't watch the the reimagining because of the fact that Starbuck's a chick. And we've had arguments about this, and he won't listen to me. But she, to me, has defined Starbuck far better than even even Dirk Benedict did. To me, Dirk Benedict is face from the A team, and he just happened to be Starbuck in the original show. But she really did a number on um, on on the character. I mean, for being 21 when she was casted to play this role, um, and then you know just to just to, to grow into the character over the last couple of years, she really went miles with her and. Um, as I was talking to Neil earlier, she's definitely um, a can't the first female inductee of the Blonde Ace um, Hall of Fame. She's too dirty though. She needs to take a bath. Oh, yeah. She was like dirty throughout the whole show. Her hygiene improved. She uh, she took a bath when she uh, transferred her assignment to twenty four. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> she, she always she always had like uh, she always had like grease on her face or you know like like she just woke up after you know pounding like a half a bottle of gin before the night before. <laughs> And and some guy and some guy and some yeah. guy, ironically, um, number two is in twenty four this season too. With Caleb Cat Keith Rennie, it's too funny to see all these Battlestar character Battlestar actors on other shows now. But um, 
No, season one and the miniseries, the miniseries itself is fast-paced and compelling, and it transitions into the first season very well, especially with um, 33, a great episode. Uh, I can't remember if it was season one or two, but um, season one is, uh, has the episode where um, Apollo has to destroy the, uh, the Olympic carrier, right? Um, is that this season or is I that think the it's season, season one? Chris? It's 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 early on. Well, him and Starbuck blew it up. Yeah, it is that one. Yeah, I, it is season one. I believe for, for doing that. There's an episode in yeah. season one where um one of the uh, one of the civilian ships gets hijacked and it's called the Olympic Carrier and it. Well, they um, did. You don't know, and they still they still they never really knew what know. it was. Is it it uh it, what was it the it. They jumped to one coordinates, and it was the last one to jump. Yeah, yeah, because and they didn't know what was going on. It just and showed it, about the blue, and what yeah, it and did. it started going towards the Galactica, and they told it to stop, and yeah. they, it wouldn't stop. Apollo so. got in front of it, and he gave him warnings to stop, and they, it wouldn't. They weren't communicating, so he had to blow it out the sky, and oh, yeah. with thousands of people on board. So that 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 decision haunts him throughout the rest of the show. Um, big things happened in this first season. For all, all in all, though, excellent first season. <clears throat> what were what were your thoughts, Neil? Well, um, the miniseries is actually very interesting because uh, I don't have a, I don't have a basis of Battlestar Galactica. I never saw the original show, so I, I didn't really see any. I didn't, you know, have anything there that was keeping me from it. And I just remember seeing the, um, the commercials for it. And I was like, wow, this looks kind of interesting. Just the uh, whole kind of submarine look, uh, and it's just very, you know, it's that documentary style type of filmmaking that's. In some ways, has been used to excess, but in this show, it really works. But um, the, the miniseries is good because you're introduced to a you're introduced to a world that is kind of like us, but it's a little bit more advanced in certain ways. You know, they have space travel, and it's it's kind of normal in that aspect. But you can still kind of see um, today's you know t- today's type of society within there. Um, you're in, you know, they, they give you a little tidbits about stuff that happened in the past, but not too much. And, you know, that just keeps you coming back. And then you see the annihilation of the human people and you're like, wow, you know, this is just amazing. And some of the things with some of the decisions that have to be made, like I think in the miniseries, one of the hardest things they had to do is when they rendezvoused, uh, when the Galactica rendezvoused with all the other ships and some of the ships had the faster and light travel and some didn't. And they had one of the Cylon uh, Raiders come in, and they knew that immediately they were going to have to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because they were going to have a, a, a fighter wing on them. And, you know, they I think it was the guy that was on the um, uh, on Rosalind's ship that's like, you know, we should give them the coordinates. And they're just like, no, don't do it. And you hear these people pleading to them. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's just one of these things where it's like, what would you do if you're in the same situation? And you know you have the old salt at uh, the old salt commander at this time, Adama, you know who was within the first war, and he hates the Cylons, and he you know he was very adamant about keeping the Galactica, even though it was a decommissioning ship, keeping it the same way it was during the Cylon War, where you know they couldn't get into it and access it and stuff like that. So, and his first impulse is is to you know to take command of the fleet when that basically was destroyed, and then you know he wants to fight back, but. He gets kind of talked out of it by, uh, you know, now President Rosalind because they have like 50,000 people, um, you know, as refugees. And, you know, he, he does a big thing. And it, it, it's just one of these things where um, ethical dilemmas are something that was 
kind of presented throughout the show and season one's great because you get you know once again you're you're brought into that episode 33 and it's like geez you know what the hell and it's like they've been going through this for you know days and every every half hour you know like clockwork the cylons show up and you know they then they learn about the the fact that there's humanoid cylons and there's that whole mistrust you know, and, and like Chris said in the opening, it is very reminiscent of like a post 9-11 world where it's like, you know, people that might have a difference than what you're used to or might be a little different than, than you are, you start to mistrust because of, um, you know, be, because of prejudice and all that. It plays and, off those paranoias really well. Oh, yeah. And you see how these people are trying to, um, and the fir- I think f- the first season's a really good season because you see how the people have to transition from who they were to what they're to what they are now it's like everybody was still trying to grasp on the to the things that they used to have Mm -hmm. or who they used to be before this this great apocalypse happened and now they're you know they have to adjust and you see it within the civilians and you see it within the president and you see it within the galactica crew because you know adama want he still wants to fight throughout the whole for the whole first season he wants to fight and he wants to destroy them but you know he realizes everything has become a bigger picture and i think one one of the best things about it too is the fact that in the miniseries at the end he gives the hope of finding earth because in their scriptures and stuff in their past history it's like earth was like this mysterious 13th tribe of the 12 you know of man and they went in the opposite direction and there's all the mysticism of it. And then you find out later on that he said that only because he wanted to give people hope yeah. that he didn't realize. Cause he, you know, you find out through this is the, the culture of these people. They, instead of like in our era where most of our major religions have one God as the, um, you know, as the main person of worship and there, they're a little bit more like the ancient Greeks and the Romans where they had many gods and he doesn't believe in that stuff. And, you know, he he realizes that it's better to give people something to hope for that may not come true than just telling them really what it is. Exactly. And it's it, it's one of the things that affects the show throughout. And you know, but pretty much the first season, um, you know, a great cliffhanger because they find what is the the origin of humans in their society, Cobol, and then we get with the cliffhanger of Adama being shot, which is, you know. Just um, one one of the more powerful scenes, especially with the whole thing with uh, Boomer, you know, going through that the previous um, couple episodes where she, things are being done and sabotage is being done, and she's not realizing, but then she's getting hints, and yeah. you know, so and right before she goes and blows up the uh, the base ship with with the nuke, yeah, and she gets it, she finally you know meets See, other, sees her. She's her copies, her copies, and you know, just her delicious naked copies. Oh yes, yeah. oh so delicious. But um, and, she and, comes and back and just, and, and we see how that what they try to do, you know, also instead of the fact of um, Adama giving this promise of finding Earth, they try to give some semblance of the past life. You know, the the president reinstitutes the quorum of twelve. They start doing all, you know, like. The things you would normally do in a, on, a, on a regular basis as a government, and then we see things come up where, um, you know, one of the ships that they had is a, a prison ship, and it's got this political guy on it, who I didn't know at the time, but I found out later on who's the original 
the guy Tom Zarek ended up being like the he was the original Apollo oh, of the yeah. original show. Sure was. And um, you know, and and it brings up a lot of social political commentary, and um, you know, and it puts us into the second season. But I will stop there, Chris. Uh, your thoughts on miniseries and season one? Uh, definitely, in in reflecting that post nine eleven mentality, aside from all the things you mentioned, uh, I don't recall if this was during the miniseries that this first appeared or at the very beginning of season one. But the um, the wall of pictures. Yes. Yeah. The very first time you see that, it's just really creepy because you know this is in two thousand three, so it's like just two years fresh off of nine eleven, and it just brings back very mem- very memory bad that that vivid memories of that time and it just really has deliberately so a very powerful effect that first time that you see it i think you know all these people putting up all of these pictures of you know people that are missing that you really know are dead but mm. maybe they're not ready to accept, accept that I, I think it i think it and i think it started up at the end of the miniseries but it it plays yeah. a key part throughout the whole show you know so yeah, it's something that, that is a recurring thing, but, you know, as time passes in the show and in our world and we get further and further away from 9-11, uh, it doesn't have that same punch anymore. But certainly, at the outset, that very first time you see it, it just gives you a very creepy feeling. Yeah. Um, there's quite a lot of important things that happen in Season 1, as you mentioned, uh, the establishment of uh, Tom Zarek, the the terrorist who refashions himself as a radical political leader and he plays a very big role throughout the rest of the season um i mentioned earlier that there was the plot line about uh hilo which uh interestingly was not originally intended for the series i read that because in uh the miniseries he's a raptor pilot and when he sees baltar uh he thinks to himself that Baltar is an important person, right. and he gives up his space on the Raptor so that Baltar can be evacuated to the Galactica. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to be the end of it. But the character uh, tested well, and they decided to change things around and make him a permanent character. And that's how they devised this story of him and um, the number eight, who later gets known as Athena, having this storyline on Caprica and eventually bringing him back to the ship. Yeah. And I'm glad I did it because uh, Hilo was a very likable character and um, in a show where everyone is fatally flawed in at least one or two different ways, mm-hmm. if you look at it, Hilo is probably the most normal guy in that whole show. He is. He's, he's, probably, he's probably the most concept, the biggest concept of perfect where you would, you know, because he doesn't have too many flaws and he always yeah. looks to the good of everyone. He's not perfect, but he's not like screwed up yeah. in the way that pretty much everyone else on this show is. He's usually the cool-headed one in, in yeah. most situations. Yeah, he's the straight... And, and it's nice that they kept the thing of of going back to Caprica at times because it would only make sense that there would be pockets of people left alive there. And, and as we find out in later seasons, you know, there's other you know other people that they find there. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, not not all the destruction is total. It, you know, it's it's total when it comes to the major metropolitan areas, but... You know, there's, there's still pockets of people yeah. left there, but unfortunately, you know, aside from Caprica, they're left to fend for themselves because there's yeah. no way to go back to these colonies which are being occupied by the Cylons to try to rescue anybody. Right. There's so much so, radiation that um, you'd have to keep taking meds in order to, to stave off the uh, the effects. So yeah. It's really just inhospitable for the most part. 
So um, season one ends with um, you know Adama has shot up. There was a major confrontation between him and uh, and Rosalind about uh, sort of the separation of powers between the civilian government and uh, the military, and he basically uh, he basically kind of like instituted uh, martial law on his own. Yeah. And now he's shot up. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, Ty as number two, Saul Ty the Drunkard, is forced to uh, take command. And, well, we kind of see why it is that he's the number two. Yeah. He's, he's pretty good at taking orders, but uh, not so much on the management. And, uh, you know, everything just goes to hell under him. He's good at being the buffer between the regular troops and and Adama. Yeah. Because I think one of the one of the the highlights too, I think it, in, it was in the miniseries when they had the uh, part where the fire happened and one the launch base, and they basically just um, he just opened up the airlocks and it you know there was like about a hundred people in there and he just you know and it got the 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 chief engineer pissed off because he's like you know all I needed was like you know two more minutes these people would have got saved and. You know, Adama's like, look, I would have done the same thing, and he did the dirty work, man. Yeah, he does. He he kind of is that extension of the dirty work man for Adama in a lot of ways. And what was cool about him is that he didn't. He wasn't power hungry. Yeah. Or he didn't want to like. Well, if I was captain, I would do no. He he, he was quite. He just sucks at administration. Yeah. yeah, he does. <laughs> And everybody knows about so, it. So yeah, and it becomes quite clear very quickly that he sucks at administration. So you've got you know him uh, running everything into the ground. Uh, you've got now um, on Caprica, Starbuck has uh, hooked up with um, Hilo and um, and Athena, mm-hmm. and they also find some survivors in the um, in the woods. One of them being Anders, who plays a uh, pyramid ball. Yeah, it's like one of the the big sport in uh, in those colonies in in that world and uh, you know him and his friends they've gone from being athletes to resistance fighters so of course there's some chemistry between him and Starbuck um, which we see some details on early um, that early relationship in the plan later on right and uh, he comes back with them to Galactica so now you've got everybody happily reunited and then uh, things change when they run across the Battlestar Pegasus yep commanded by Admiral Kane, and it's a big, ginormous, brand-new Battlestar. And um, by luck, they were... What was it? They were, like, in space dock or something getting repairs? Yeah, they were They were, Yeah, they were at the... Um, yeah, they were in, like, the fleet shipyards getting repairs, and, like, all their systems were offline because yeah. they were actually going to put the program that was the program that ended up uh, being fatal to the, the col- colonial fleet into that ship. So we should mention at this point, which we hadn't uh, up to now, that in the miniseries, uh, the number six, you know, the uh, the sexy blonde, was uh, banging Doctor Baltar and uh, <laughs> was helping him with his projects in exchange for access to um, defense networks, which he had as a you know highly placed person, and used that to plant this uh, program into the defense network that crippled. All of the human defenses colony wide, yeah. right? And nobody knows this except Baltar. Yeah. So of course, throughout much of the series, uh, he's kind of like shitting bricks, <laughs> you know, wondering if anyone's ever going to figure out his dark secret that uh, he unwittingly uh, was the uh, snowball going down the mountain that led to the destruction of humanity. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Because if not for him. Uh, 
given this chick the access to the defense networks, none of that would have happened. At least well, not on the day that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might it might have happened, but in a different Might have happened maybe with somebody else, but it wouldn't have been on his shoulders. He was the he was the guy that got duped that caused the whole the whole pyramid to fall, so Yeah. So anyway, uh the Pegasus being in the shipyard was not affected and uh they survived the attack and um they've been on their own and um you know Kane being an admiral, she outranks Adama, so even though he's been the commander of the civilian fleet, now he has to answer to her because she outranks him. And as you find out over time, the journey that the Pegasus had was very different from uh, that of Galactica's. Oh, yeah. It certainly was. Very much so. <laughs> and that's discussed a lot more in Razor, but uh, basically uh, Pegasus had a shitty time of things, and uh, they had a civilian fleet, and um, but they were all gone by the time Galactica found them because over time they were taking parts from their civilian ships and leaving them without faster than light drives. Um, and they had very harsh uh, rules in place where you know pretty much anybody could get killed for anything. Yeah. And finally, uh, it came down to they abandoned their entire civilian fleet and left them to die. Jeez. Yeah. Saved themselves. And Admiral Kane is a very strict martial figure to the point that, uh, you know, she executes her first officer when um, he goes against one of her orders. Yeah. And Jax. Yeah, which was a, which was a weird thing when um, kind of the, uh, the Colonel Ty of the Pegasus is actually drinking with the actual Colonel Ty. And <laughs> they kind of recant that whole story. And it, and it was weird because that guy had just such nervous laughter about it, like... Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, she shot him in the head. Ha, 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 ha. I'm drunk. <laughs> Don't go by what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he she tried damn, to play it off. she did do it. He tried to, no, he tried <laughs> to play it off. Help us, please. He, he, tried, he tried to, well, he, did he play that off? He played off one of them about either the civilians getting killed or the civilians. He played about, about both pretty about much. About both. Yeah, he was, they, he was. They were both getting loaded, and he was just sitting there saying, yeah, she, you want to hear something crazy? She shot him and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then. Yeah, it's a screwed up ship. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the the two battle stars, um, you know, they team up to go after uh, a Cylon resurrection ship because these Cylon um, human models, there's only 12 of them, 12 model lines, and there's multiple copies of them. So whenever they die, if they're in range of a resurrection ship, uh, their memories and experiences get downloaded into a new body, which is how more and more of them keep appearing. Mm-hmm. So if they destroy that resurrection ship that's in that that you know covers that sector of space, any of the Cylons who die stay dead. They won't download into new bodies. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, there's tensions between her and Adama. And uh, you know, by the end of the storyline, uh, Kane is out. Yeah. And um, Rosalind she promotes Adama to admiral, so that if they run across anybody else, that stuff won't happen again. And he puts. Um, his son, uh, Lee Apollo, in charge of the Pegasus as its captain. Oh, man. So now you've got the dynamics changing a little bit because before you had the busted-up old Galactica with its busted-up old Vipers yep. <laughs> uh, as the only defense for this civilian fleet, and now you've got the Pegasus as well, which is, like, double the size, almost. Yeah. It's brand new and is, like, shiny and is, like, everything is nice and shiny and new and advanced. Yeah, everything they were lacking in Galactica, Pegasus had. Yeah. Plenty more lens flare over there. <laughs> yep. Still not as much as the Enterprise. Though. Oh. 
<laughs> so things continue in season two. Uh, unfortunately, uh, some people start dying, like um, the aforementioned Billy, who was the um, assistant to President Roslin. Yeah, killed by and, Lois Lane's men. Yep, <laughs> and he got uh, you know he got some screen time uh, early on, and and had a nice little relationship going with uh, Duala, one of the Galactica's bridge officers. But then he got wasted. Yeah. And by the end of season two, uh, they're having a presidential election, and Baltar is running for um, president. But uh, Rosalind, who's had visions and stuff from like drugs that she's used for her cancer treatments and all this stuff, uh, she uh, doesn't really trust him, and she knows that he's been he's done some shady stuff in the past, and that he's up to some weird stuff. So to stop him from uh, winning the election, her new right hand person, who is this. Uh, rather shady Indian chick named Tori, oh, who man. we'll see a lot more of later on, uh, conspires to steal the election. And they get caught. Yep. And they lose. So now that Baltar is president, he decides that they should uh, settle on this crappy planet that they found that is you know, supposed to be hidden from the Cylons, and they call it New Caprica. And it's a really crappy planet. You yeah. know? The conditions are very harsh. It's certainly not... Um, the nice uh, Star Trek M-class planet that you always see, a.k.a., you know, um, California. <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, I know. But it was, uh, it was, it was hidden w- behind, like, a star or supernova or something like that? Yeah. Where it was Unfortunately, just- um, a nuke that Baltar had stolen for the Cylons gets detonated in orbit of the planet, but no one really thinks much about it at the time. Yeah. So they're living on New Caprica in, in crappy tents and... and you know, in their little crappy new world. And a few months later, the Cylons show up en masse. And, uh, you know, with the fleet pretty much decommissioned in orbit and uh, nobody prepared for this sort of stuff, New Caprica gets occupied by the Cylons. Hmm. Very, very reminiscent of, like, when you'd see those things of the Nazis going down, like, uh, the, um, what is it, the Chaise de Liaison in, like, uh, yeah. Paris and stuff yeah. during the World War Two. so... Yeah, so they've been living on, they were living on what, like for like a year on New Caprica? Something like that, yeah. A year, year and a half. And uh, they haven't really gotten much accomplished. And Baltar, you know, he's just a bum. He's sitting on his uh, Colonial One ship that's like parked on the planet. And he's just like doing blow and screwing bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. With, uh, with uh, Galactica bridge operator Gaeta yeah. as sort of like his uh, little bitch secretary. <laughs> Pretty much. And now the Cylons show up, and it's like, oh crap! And and it's weird because the the Cylons came in, and it was like it, the when you first see this, you're like, man, they're just gonna start killing people, but they just came in and just started. They just took them over because they had the new yeah. they had a new outlook from the yeah. uh, one of their uh, episodes of towards the end of the season. Um, I guess Caprica Six and the re um the reincarnated Boomer. Um, they uh they they get control or they they have some influence over the the ruling Cylons and they, they give them this new outlook on life where they can coexist with human beings right. but um, under their terms of course and they pretty much turn that settlement into an internment camp within <laughs> within within a day <laughs> yep not that it didn't look like anything other than an internment camp already to begin with right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to begin yeah. with so the only difference is that now you got centurions walking around just a step but, up above uh, a shanty town yeah <laughs> So ends season two. So uh, thoughts, gentlemen. Man, um, 
Yeah, season two, it's it's just ramped things up a whole lot. Um, I love the fact that uh, you know, all the the hard work in season one, that I guess that are the uh, the bonding that happened in season one between Adama and his son went down the toilet at the end of season one, going into season two where they're kind of back on opposite um, sides again. And, and even before and, uh, that, uh, Adama, you know. Commander Adama, his very close bond with Starbuck yeah. is pretty much destroyed in season one when she admits to him, like, hey, your son who died, uh, your other son, he was just a crappy pilot, and mm-hmm. uh, he uh, he died because uh, I had the hots for him, and couldn't I couldn't, t- uh, couldn't turn him down. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, uh, pretty much Adama was, uh, he was, he was lone gunning it, and, um, you know, his, his son turned against him when, um, when he stood with the president on her uh, viewpoints, and they both end up in jail for it, and uh, pretty much uh, Apollo has to, you know, to fight to get his uh, his position on the ship back, and he and he does inevitably, and then the Pegasus rolls uh, rolls in, and of course, um, captained by the the awesome Michelle Forbes, who is an awesome in everything she does, and um, she shows up there as uh, Admiral Kane, and just. You know, she their whole ship is twisted, as Chris had mentioned. But um, the dynamic between the two, the two, the two ships, the Galactica and the the Pegasus, and and their crews intermingling was an exciting time in the show because you got to see, you know, you, you got to see these two different dynamics try to work with each other, and it's not working <laughs> to the point where there's a, almost a Sopranos type moment um, towards the end of that two-parter episode where um, where both Kane and Adama are scheming on each other. Yeah. To, to have each other assassinated right after they take care of the Cylons that are fighting uh, that are that they're fighting against, and they both decide to to not do it at the last second, only to have Kane die later by the hands of the Cylon the day in prison, <laughs> and all this stuff like uh, there was the episode about the uh, the black market, and there was like that yes! uh, that black dude Godfather. Oh man, yeah. you're talking about Bill Duke, man. That's my and, boy. And, I love uh, that guy. The the next rotating like first <laughs> officer of Caprica got like. Uh, axed with piano wire yeah i mean that was a cool episode because um i love the fact that um in this show it makes you forget sometimes that it's a sci-fi series set in space there's so many different genres that it spans and season two is a great example of that and that episode is a really good example it's kind of almost a a noirish type of crime well season two actually shows I, i think this is the uh the season where it actually shows where in some ways you kind of feel that the Cylons are justified because <laughs> it, it definitely showed the dark side of the humans. Yeah, and yeah. and and we saw it within the with Kane, within especially. the Galactica fleet, and then you know when the Pegasus shows up, we see it there because we kind of hear what was going on. But it's very interesting that they're able to give a lot of information to kind of set something in your mind. But not enough where it spoils it, or it, or not too little where it just doesn't make any sense, or it's, it's just one of those things that you just kind of gloss over. Yeah. Because you know, like you said, the whole thing with Admiral Kane, and then we find out with her, um, you know, her first officer that this guy was just basically just a mob guy, and then the guy after that that was like the engineer who treated everything like a piece of machinery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you John know, Hurt. ends up doing the ultimate sacrifice. You know, yeah. he does the senpai sacrifice basically. Oh. Although I would have to say, and the feeling I get from this, you might agree with me, Solbro, mm-hmm. especially in the second season, uh, the Galactica is sort of like the deconstruction of Star Trek. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. And I think that's very deliberate on the part of Ronald Moore, who <laughs> you know came from Next Gen and DS9, mm-hmm. because you know on Next Gen you had you know this shining future for humanity where everyone gets along and it's all happy, happy, joy, joy. Right. Because that's the way that Gene Roddenberry wanted it, and he wouldn't let them have any conflicts between the characters right yeah. and then 
you know, more switched over to DS9, which is very different from every other Star Trek show because you do have those sorts of things. You know, you have people like Cisco and Kira who don't get along, or Odo and Quark. You know, those sort of relationships would have never been possible on um, on Next Gen. On and Next people Gen. in DS9, you see some of the darker side of humanity. You know, you see people doing dirty things, like you know, Cisco getting his hands dirty to uh, you know kill a Romulan to get the Romulan Empire involved in the Dominion War. Exactly. That sort of stuff. And I think more just takes it a step further in Galactica, which, you know, is his playground now, <laughs> and shows that really seedy underbelly of humanity. And um, is a contrast to season one where, you know, you had this apocalypse and everyone came together. Mm-hmm. And in season two, it's like that's already gone and everyone's already back to like their scheming old ways as if nothing happened yep. and whatever unity they felt against the Cylons you know now they're going back to business as usual which well, is, it showed human nature because you know you have it some, is because that is human nature yeah because you, you, you have a, you have a defining moment that unites everybody but then we see that we're all different and and they they alluded a little bit to it in season one but it really comes out in season two where uh, the condi- like we said a lot of the, like you said earlier the, the ships were not made for this type of travel that they're doing these long range hauls. And um, we see that the conditions on a lot of these ships are <laughs> a lot different than, um, you know, like what's on the Galactica or Colonial One or something like that. And this is where we start seeing that even though the colonies were kind of united, there were still a lot of things between the different planets. And Yeah, there's know, a lot of racism. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you finally get to learn about the tribe, the different tribes, and the differences yeah. between them, and um, which, you know, further gets suspended upon in season three. But, um, you know, it's just uh, I I love I I I enjoyed the, um, the 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 different kinds of um, jaunts the show would go on when it comes to like presenting a subject or presenting a story that would just have a completely different feel from the next episode, yeah. and it just it just seemed like it just started to really just expand out of it the genre of science fiction and 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 space opera and just became like everything you know they, I don't, well, to I'll me there was there was a genre there wasn't a genre they probably couldn't do in that show with all the all the conflicts and the troubles that they had in that show i'll be honest i i think you even find out in the first season that yeah it's set in a sci-fi universe yeah because you know you have faster light travel uh artificial intelligence and all that and space dog but in the end it was just it's human drama yeah and the aspect of just the way things people react to different things it's you know like you said you just uh, search and replace Cylon War and put 9/11 or something like that in it, yeah. and, and it and it seemed very Which you know it, social it, commentary of what we've gone through. Yeah, it was always the there. I just didn't come to really notice it until season two, where you had whole episodes where there weren't dogfights or any kind of like outer space fights going on, where you know you were completely on on ship with a with, a, with a completely totally compelling suck. situation. Space Viper 90. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, you, you you were more interested in seeing what was going on with the characters than you were uh, anticipating the next dogfight, and that's a, that's one of the strengths of the show. And it, it's it's although there were plenty of fans who uh, would bitch about all that stuff and be like, I haven't seen a dogfight in four episodes. What's going on? Where's it? What kind of a space show is this? Crybaby bastards. They they don't know. A lot of people don't watching the show don't know what they're watching until it's over. But you got it when and they even then they still that, don't um, that one badass. Raider, the Raider that kept getting uh, oh, Scar. downloaded. Scar. Hell yeah, yeah. man! <laughs> it, it, that was like the that was the Captain Ahab episode for yeah. Starbuck and Cat. Yeah. Oh, Cat. Who ended up getting the? I can't remember who got the kill on that one. It wasn't Starbuck. It, it was, was the Kat. other girl, right? It was Cat. 
Yeah. Who I can't stand. Who, who I couldn't stand. Couldn't stand that broad at all. But <laughs> why? Because she's from the mean streets of Brooklyn. The mean streets of Brooklyn, and and um, it's ironic that um, because when we get into it in season three, hey, I'll tell you what though, you mm. you wouldn't hate her if you saw her in person. Oh, she. Well, her character, her her her, the actress that plays oh, her. I, well, oh, uh, let me just say though, for the record, <laughs> she is mm. one delicious little piece of work. Mm, oh yeah. yeah, put some put some cream on that. <laughs> Night- Absolutely. Well, damn, damn. But yeah, season two, total awesome, man. I'm gonna pass it off to you, Neil. How much more I can say? I mean, you, um, you, you definitely see that they're they're going in a. Th- this was basically setting up the whole thing of the whole under, you know, the dark underside of of human existence. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said earlier, you, you kind of in in some ways within the season understand why the Cylons. If you're just thinking in a logical way, you could see why they probably rebelled and did what they did, not realizing that you know. Which was always the, the most ironic thing without the whole show is that the Cylons ended up becoming what what they hated. What they hated. Yep. I mean, they became the um, you know as they became more humanoid physically and then emotionally through their stuff. You know, they became what what they were going against. So, but uh, you know, definitely a, a, a solid season. And like you said, the whole um, the whole thing with New Caprica because in the end, those people were so sick of being on those ships. <laughs> Even though that was a crappy planet, they just wanted to get off them, and and, and you could tell cabin fever, man, cabin fever. Yeah. I mean, that's all they were having, and um, you know, it's 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 and it showed kind of the dichotomy of like democracy, where um, you know, President Roslin. I think one of the most powerful things that they did was at the, at the I don't know if it was this season or the or uh, the first season when they say she was only. Uh, uh, serving out the the previous president's term, yeah. So that's why there was such a, there, you know, the, the the election happened so quickly within the whole context of things, and uh, it kind of you kind of get that little, you know, like we said in um, Galactic Empires or Galactic Heroes, uh, Chris. That whole, you know, is democracy the best thing when it comes to certain things, and you know, sometimes it's better to be autocratic like Adama wanted to be, but. But then you also see with the Pegasus where it's not good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, what happens when you take it to the other extreme? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just these subtle things that, that go on. And, and this is the beginning of the melting of the iciness between Lee and, and, his, and his, uh, Finally. his father. Yep. Because as he becomes commander of the Pegasus, uh, and especially we find out in third season, mm-hmm. you know, he starts to realize why his father is the is way, the he, way is. he is. <laughs> so. Maybe it's when he packed on those extra pounds he finally saw. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but would, you really, would you really pack on that much weight if you had uh, what's-her-face D as your wife? That's what I'm saying. No, I'd <laughs> keep myself in shape. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd be doing some calisthenics every day. Woo. Morning, noon, and night. Anyway, I Holy. think we've... Um, covered all there is to cover with uh, the miniseries and the first two seasons so uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to discuss seasons three and four you're listening to gundam at mahq who shot you in the ass who that who will be you me i shot you yeah i mean I'm, i was shooting that was i did a lot of shooting I mean, but I, I, I ain't saying I shot you in the ass. I mean, I, I ain't saying I didn't shoot you. But gun damn! Somebody shot you in the ass. Tell me about it. 
This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. GUN9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $749 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone, welcome back to uh, Gundam at MAHQ, and and so begins the um, continuation of our talk about Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined series, which um, I will be covering in this segment, uh, seasons three and four. Uh, definitely, pretty much the way season uh, three starts off is with the occupation of New Caprica. Um, we see that throughout this time, once uh, New Caprica has pretty much been occupied by the Cylons, there's a l- lots of things that they're trying to do on some of the populace. And, of course, the populace um, retaliates in a way that is very reminiscent of things that we have today in, in, in our history, is um, in our society, is suicide bombing. And we start, you know, once again, we, we talked about, you know, the previous two seasons where there's so much ethical dilemmas. This is when a lot of these things get really ramped up. And uh, we see that uh, Adama with the other ships that had uh, folded out after uh, the Cylons had appeared, they're devising a plan to go back and, um, you know, save the save the people that went down on New Caprica. I think this is the uh, the appearance of Fat Lee. <laughs> yep. The appearance of Fat Lee. And um, we see that everybody got sloppy. And I think that was one of the big things that we see with the whole new Caprica thing is everybody just got sloppy. They went from being uh, very vigilant when it came to a lot of things to being very sloppy when, in the way of um, their ways of mannerisms when it came to each other. And um, we see that Adama pretty much uh, devises a plan to um, uh, free, the, free all the people on new Caprica. And we see one of Because the, he has a mustache. Because he has a mustache. <laughs> And that mustache gave him the power during the whole time. Mm-hmm. And we see probably one of the most awesome elements of the whole Battlestar Galactica series, which is the what is effectually known as the Adama Maneuver. Oh, man. And that is basically taking the Battlestar Galactica, which is a space-borne vessel, not, a, not, a, you know, not something that's supposed to be flown in uh, Earth atmosphere or, or planned atmosphere, and takes it, folds it into the atmosphere as it's falling down, because um, it's so heavy and big, and uh, you know, streaks of 
of fire coming off of it. As they're doing this, they launch all their vipers out of the launch tubes to uh, combat all the Cylon Raiders. And then right at the point where it seems like the Galactic is about to just drop on top of New Caprica, they fold at the last minute, which Ooh. creates a vacuum and pretty much sucks everything out there. Um, they're able to save everyone, and uh, we see the fleet once again is on its way to find Earth. Um, and this is when things get really kind of ramped up, because we see a lot of what's basically uh, a secret tribunal of people that are going against... Um, uh, as, as we saw in New Caprica, there were people that were fighting against the Cylons, and there were some that were collaborating. And a lot of the people that were known collaborators were started to um, kind of get mysteriously disappearing. And uh, this is when we get the whole thing of airlocking, where, uh, you know, basically, if you're found guilty of being a collaborator, you were passed judgment on and took into the nearest Viper uh, airlock and uh, promptly <laughs> launched out the tube. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, some other highlights of season three is we see that the um, the fleet is running low on fuel. They basically there's uh, they find they find a way of synthesizing like uh, some algae, and uh, they actually end up finding Earth and some of the things there on and find out that um, or no they didn't find Earth on this one, but they're finding some more things about how to find it. Um, we're seeing a lot of the things with uh, what's going on within the fleet when it comes to you know some of the um, I guess some of the you know, the remnants of the occupation and everybody's kind of changed on this. This is where we see the uh, one-eyed Colonel Ty because he <laughs> unfortunately had a, a bad experience and had his old eye yanked out. Ooh. And uh, a lot of things going on here. We see a lot of things happening within the fleet, within a lot of the people, and we see a lot of the stuff with um, the racism going against uh, like we had talked to earlier, one things were like one of the, some doctor was like killing a bunch of people from a Sagittarius, spe- yeah, a specific colony because yep. they were just, you know, they were kind of like Pentecostals, and um, pretty much we end up season one or season three with um, the trial of Baltar because it comes out that he fa- he was conspiring with the uh, Cylons with the um, destruction of the twelve colonies. Speaking of Baltar, he he had his own arc. In the series, once um he was with the Cylons for a while. Yeah, yeah, he was uh rolling with them for a that while. Too, got, but got to see how they tick. We pretty much um we pretty much finish up with that, and uh, a lot of things actually come out of the, uh, that whole thing within the the um the trial, and I I, th- I think it, it's one of the one of the big highlights of the show. So uh, I will knock this over to Chris. Uh, some of your thoughts on season three of Battlestar Galactica. Season three for me is a little, little, little uh, conflicted because it starts off very well. You've got um, you know the sort of like Nazi occupation arc, yeah. and you mentioned there's collaborators, there's torture, there's people mysteriously disappearing, and uh, you see everybody kind of like now after like being a year of fat and lazy, they're worse off than they were before when they were in space. Yeah, because <laughs> at least they had their freedom. Mm-hmm. And now you know everyone's divided. Um, you know, there's there's the great rescue scene with uh, the Adama maneuver yeah. which is just one of the most awesome things I've ever seen yeah <laughs> definitely was it, it's, it's then, go ahead what's interesting is when you see that uh, they're finally free and they're back in space they didn't just press a reset button yeah you know, there's a lot of uh, ruffled feathers there's a lot of anger and like you mentioned they have this uh, secret court of people um, you know instituted by Tom Zarek of you know, all people, no surprise there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Since he's he's a fan of uh, harsh justice, and uh, they just start spacing people, and it's interesting because it sets off uh, a long character arc for Gaeta, where you know he wasn't a collaborator, 
and nobody knows that he was the inside man who was tipping off the resistance about everything the Cylons were doing. Right. Yeah, that that was kind of interesting where they, they, they find him and they, they pass judgment on him. They're about to put him out the thing and the, then he starts talking about how they le- he left the, the information in the dog bowl. Yeah, he, he, he did all the stuff in the dead drop for them. Even even before that, there was a confrontation between him and Starbuck about the whole matter before, you know, and that's when he first spills the beans about the fact that he was the um, the informant and um, she was giving him a hard time about being a um, a Cylon sympathizer or, or, or working with the Cylons during the occupation. And um, she had, you know, at that time, she, she was harboring a lot of hate for um, for the Cylons because of her experience in the um, in, in the internment camp. But, uh, you know, later on, of course, they find out that um, that Gator was the the inside guy. But um, it's interesting that Starbuck confronts him because later on in the next season, there's an interesting scene where it's kind of flipped on its head. Yes. But yeah. again, you're jumping the gun as usual. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I just mentioned it now so that when we get to it. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so you've got that, you know, them getting back in space and kind of getting back to the lives as they used to be. Then there's a sort of arc where... Um, you know, they start introducing some of these concepts of, uh, they start seriously talking about, you know, why is it that the final five have never been seen of the Cylon models? And, um, you know, you've got this fissure between the Cylons developing. You've got, like, uh, the Lucy Lawless uh, Deanna model mm-hmm. uh, conflicting with all these others. And you've got uh, the Dean Stockwell Cavill model, who yeah. basically is, is a dick and he's just evil and wants to wipe out all the humans and oh. he abhors them completely. Oh, Al. So you've got all of this uh, internal dissent between the different Cylon models, and even within the models, some of them, based on their experiences, like uh, some number eights and sixes, feel a certain way, and then uh, some of their sisters, who just hang around on ships all the time, have a totally different viewpoint, Yeah, which I think is interesting, because it shows how, even though they all look the same, they're starting to become more individual based on their experiences. Yep. And um, for me, I think season three kind of takes a little bit of a dive after um, that arc on the algae planet because they started getting into a sort of uh, run of filler episodes. Yeah. And I had read that uh, apparently Sci-Fi told Ronald Moore that they wanted the second half of season three to be more standalone. And this would kind of go with that because, you know, the the pacing slows down a lot. You got some episodes that are kind of good, like... um, this one where Tyrrell's dealing with like a striking ship of miners who, yeah. you know, they're needed for all of these materials, but you know they live in like filth and horrible conditions, and they're basically just being worked to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including some the other things. Yeah, but the pacing just kind of takes a hit for it. Yeah, and the second half of season three is really slow until things speed up again with uh, Baltar's, Baltar's trial and the uh, revelation of um, four of the five models. Yeah. And I gotta say, uh, Baltar's trial is interesting stuff. I don't know how legally permissible it would be in our world to have one of the attorneys <laughs> testify on stand and make a grand sweeping speech. I don't think that's kind of how it works. But uh, that is that is by far one of the best moments in the series, though. It uh, is a great moment, though. Yeah. And I gotta say, um, Jamie Bamber. You know, even though uh, he didn't come back for a while, the the character of uh, Rollo Lampkin was a really interesting guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just just so weird. He <laughs> was so disenfranchised about everything. He's he was that guy that you could see where he toiled in the legal system for so long and he saw all the hypocrisy within the legal system that it just jaded him so much. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's He's why a- in a lot of ways he was the best one to um 
defend Baltar. He's a very interesting character, and I don't know if I've ever seen any character quite like him before. Yeah, you really yeah. haven't. He, or since. It, you wonder where he was the entire series, because uh, uh, we, we, we missed out on the character like him the entire show, but he showed up at the right time. I mean, um, it's interesting to, 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 to note that he was the, um, the understudy of uh, Joe Adama, who, of course, is um, now featured in... Um, in that new spinoff, Caprica. But, um, you know, he's kind of his legacy almost. And, of course, he ends up working with Lee, who idolized his grandfather but didn't know exactly everything that his grandfather was involved in. And, you know, he's just... Hey, he sure didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> Gramps was uh, involved in some dirty things as we're finding out on Caprica. Yeah, yeah, yeah by, by far. And I wonder, I wonder where that's going to go. But, um, no, it just... it, it It's... It, Ro, Romo, uh, Lampkin, he's just... I, I, it, Every every moment he opened his mouth was was epic. Yes, it was just it was just absolutely epic. I I I his character to me is probably the standout supporting character in the series. But um, he didn't show up that often, so maybe that has something to do with it. Well, it later provides a a, a very big role. Yeah, in season four as season we see. four. That's um, true. So, but uh, Solbro, any additional thoughts of season three? Season three, um, uh, Chris, had, we had mentioned earlier about the uh, the episode where um because the it. Chris is right. There is a moment in the series, an arc, well, a, 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 a series of episodes in the third season where they're all standalone episodes, and for the most part, I'm, I liked them because I'm sitting here and I'm, I bang, I banged out the show within a few days. So to me, it wasn't nearly as painful as those who probably were watching it as it was airing. But um, the one episode I really enjoyed was the one where um, it dealt with Hilo, and he was dealing with the uh, the the on, I won't say the onslaught, but the whole bunch of refugees that were just brought on board the ship to live in Dogtown. Yeah, the doctor that was killing them all. Yeah, and then the doctor played by Bruce Davidson, who also played Senator Kelly in the um in the X Men movies. He's he's again playing a racist. <laughs> by the way, uh, to interrupt since uh, since we're talking about doctors, yeah, um, we haven't mentioned yet, and and we can't go without mentioning uh, oh, Doctor yeah. Cottle, who is also a very great standout supporting character. Yes, that guy's got the bedside manner of a slug, but uh, he catches you up. He, that's that's my man, Donald is, Rhodes, um, man, Danger Bay, man. I grew up is, with that guy. Uh, he's like the Adama of the me- of the, sick the medical day. field, man. I mean, oh, and and always smoking. Oh. <laughs> Around yeah, his patients, it, it, around it's pregnant women, around patients. He's got pregnant women as patients, and he's just smoking it up all around him. He just doesn't give a crap. He's, tra- the he's treating the the um the 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 uh the president of her cancer that she got from smoking, and he's smoking in front of her. <laughs> you know he's cool, man. He hooked he hooked up with medical marijuana, so you know that's. <laughs> Oh, I guess they don't have a. I guess they didn't have a, a surgeon general in Caprica. Hell no, he was the surgeon general. Or maybe the uh, the the uh, space cigarette industry was so powerful in uh, in in Caprica that uh, you know they lobbied to uh, you know keep all this information hidden about all of the, about space nicotine. Philip Morris ran the FDA. <laughs> but it, but it, it's funny that you say that because in a lot of ways, especially uh, you know, because in season three we see the you know the president dealing with her stuff with the uh, the cancer more so, and you know a dom- uh, you know the, the admiral's coming down to see her and stuff. And the the whole thing about it is is you know outside of outside of uh, the admiral and uh, Colonel Ty, we didn't see too many guys that would be within the realm of the first Cylon War on that ship. But he's the one, so yeah. it's like. You know, it's it's almost in a way that, you know, things are bad in this situation, especially when it comes to treating people medically, but he's seen it worse. Yeah. So that's why he's, like, smoking in front of pregnant women <laughs> and stuff like that. Speaking of pregnant women, um, 
this this is the season where um Athena, who we really didn't get into uh, much discussion about in the second season, but um she pretty much earns her her earn her earns her place upon the crew in season three because she helps out with the um the exodus from New Caprica when they escape, and she becomes pretty much really valued in the in the um Galactica's eyes. Uh, Captain um I mean not Captain but Admiral Adama accepts her as for who she is, and she's really the first Cylon that gets accepted into society on the um. The Galactica, even though you know she still has to fight for her place every day, yeah. um, you know she eventually finds out that her baby's still alive because last season when when um, Hera was born, they fooled uh, her and um, and Hilo into thinking that um, their baby was stillborn, so um, or died shortly after um, birth, and they ended up giving it to a woman who uh, who didn't even know that their child was half silent, half human. And then she dies, and then the baby falls in the Cylon hands, and eventually she finds out from Boomer, of all people, that her baby's still alive. And there's a really interesting scene in Season 3 where, in order for her to even get back to the Cylon spaceship to get her child, Hilo has to kill her. Yeah. And the episode starts out with that, and it's just, it's hard to even digest that, because the man has to kill his wife <laughs> in order for her to resurrect on the base, resurrecting the resurrection ship so she can get her child back. And you could see the the anguish he was going through when he did it. And then, you know, they all read the room and they all realized why he did it. But um, that's a really interesting episode, too. And um, for the most part, season three, I, I didn't really have a problem with even the um, off-tangent episodes. Uh, my favorite moment in season three, of course, is uh, Apollo's speech when he's on the stand. When um, he calls everybody out for all all the heinous acts that they were forgiven of. And they, we all have to just, uh, but everybody wants to put Baltar under the bus for um, for submitting to the Cylons when the Cylons arrived at New Caprica, and you know he made them all look like um, hypocrites, and it was it was a genius move, a real genius move by Lampkin to to put him on the stand and get that to happen. But um, it's it's just really um, overall, I, I enjoyed season three probably as much as I enjoyed season two. And um, Neo, any thoughts? Well, I mean. That's a great ep- that's a great part of the season, but it's only it only pales second in comparison to the Adama maneuver. The Adama maneuver that was the most <laughs> awesome thing I've ever seen. The rest I'm of the sorry. season is relevant. The, yeah. the Adama maneuver. It cast the shadow on the rest. All of the I season. remember, I forget which guy it was, but it was kind of um, <laughs> that one guy. I think he's the guy that ended up being the real father of. Oh, you talk about hot dog. Kid. Hot dog. Yeah, yeah hot when, dog. When he's like looking out the launch tube and he launches and he's like, oh shit. Because <laughs> they've never trained for that. You know, they, they never took a battle star into the atmosphere and just, and just had it free fall like that. So, um, take off with gravity <laughs> working against them. But, um, no, I mean, you know, a good solid episode. Yeah, I, I do agree. Some of those later episodes, they, they were a little different because they, you know, they they were more of the standalone, and they didn't go with the overall series. When, you know, if you really kind of put it in the the, the shape of everything, but um, you know, they really helped it by doing the whole trial with Baltar, and um, I think everything within that was uh, kind of great. And and this is where you see where Adama and his son really. I think this is where I, um, Admiral Adama got a lot of respect for his son in the end. Was yeah. because he ventured to go against his father. Yep. In this, and in the end, they were correct. And um, I think we should also mention uh, season three also has uh, Starbuck blowing up and then coming back. Oh in a, yeah, yeah. 
spotless viper say, hey, everybody, I know how to get to Earth. <laughs> that was a wrenching episode. That was a heart-wrenching episode, too, because the fallout after that was immense. I mean, you see how, how Adama took it. Admiral Adama. He, he was he was absolutely wrecked, man. Oh, he, he was a mess for days. It's amazing because actually, <laughs> I was actually watching that as the show was coming out. I'm like, oh, no way. They just didn't kill like one of the, <laughs> the top-tier characters like this. And then it's like, oh, next episode. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm back. <laughs> It's only been a few months. It's only been a few days. Yeah, you've been dead for months, <laughs> and I know the way to Earth. There was some. There was some episodes between, like, um, uh, uh, freaking uh, Lee. He took it hard. He, he he was he was and and Sam, Sam broke his leg. <laughs> Poor Sam. But um, yeah, that was that it was must be something in the bed. That must be. But uh, anything else on season three, so we can go to season four. Nope. Okay. Well, season four once again. Um, like we said, the return of Starbuck, and that was one of the big things there. And and um, as crazy as things go, and you know the whole thing with Baltar, Baltar getting um, you know basically exonerated from a lot of his crimes, you know it establishes he, a sex cult with hot chicks, pretty nice. much. Nice. And uh, he does a whole kind of monotheistic uh, religion where he's talking about that. Where you know we've mentioned before, they're more polytheistic, where there's you know many gods. Yeah. Uh, we also see a lot of the stuff where uh, the final five are finally revealed to us, mm-hmm. and you know all these people—it's kind of in a crazy way—and I, I feel the worst for uh, Saul Tai <laughs> because it's like you killed your wife, and she was the final of the final five. Ooh. Well, I, I just feel bad for him because as much as he he knew he was the final part of the final five, he didn't want to believe it. It's no, like, he didn't. That programming <laughs> just did not. Did not um, compute, man. Did not compute nah, on that. Freaking toaster. <laughs> <laughs> there was an awesome scene at the beginning episode of season four where um he in- he visualizes himself shooting Bill. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Never been better, Bill. And and then of course we get that. And of course we get that whole that whole thing of where you know the admiral has to kind of accept it within the same thing. You know the guy that's been his right hand man for so long. Oh man. And you know we kind of find out that some of these models were kind of replaced in different parts of time so it's hard to even know when they were you know when the real person was and the and the uh the replacement you know began so and of course there's uh the prerequisite required uh flashbacks in a bar yeah. where mustaches are used to indicate the past yeah. yes indeed. <laughs> and bad toupees that is, that is their uh that is their that is their uh one trope that they have uh galactica mustaches equal the past which becomes problematic then when adama grows a mustache in the present yeah because <laughs> yeah. he looks exactly the same but his mustache was a much richer brown back in the day <laughs> i know but it's still just stupid <laughs> the mere presence of a mustache indicates the past. He looked like, a bar. Looked like there's, he was, always, there's always a bar somewhere. Little Avi's channeling in his Miami Vice days, <laughs> <laughs> and um, some further things in season four here before we get too off track. Just to finish up the season, um, we see the stuff with uh, President Rosalind. You know, definitely dealing with all of her treatment. She's still having that stuff with her faith and some of the meds that she on, making her see all these visions and stuff. That uh, space marijuana. Oh, space, yeah. yeah. Woo! Space. Hydroponics, man! Hydroponics! Space hashish. That Capricorn rib. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we finally see that, um, you know, Starbucks actually convinced uh, the Admiral to give her one of the ships to search for Earth. 
and he gives her the dirtiest, most rundown ship there is. Oh God! <laughs> Isn't it basically just like a, a, a sewer ship that he gives her? I thought it was like a portalette ship. It was. It, <laughs> it looks like. I think it's isn't it a, a sewage, it's a sewage recycling plant? Yeah, sewage recycling something like plant. that. Yeah. Yep. He gives her a freaking sewage ship, which I think indicates how much faith he has in her. <laughs> oh my god! It was a sweat. It was a sweat lodge too, man. That place is uh, perfect. Horrible. It was perfect. Here, for her. Starbucks. I give to you the USS Porto Potty. Yeah. But it was it was perfect Starbucks. Like the she, smell. she didn't like to be clean, so it was like she she and needed she so needed to be in the sweatiest, greasiest environment there was. She was a dirty Although girl. Being on that dirty ship didn't quite work out so well for Gata. Yeah, who oh, oh, didn't? No, whole peg, oh. oh, Captain Ahab, Gata. <laughs> yep, since he ended up getting a shot in the leg by uh, Anders, yeah. yep. and then had to have said leg chopped off, which made him an angry gimp for the rest of uh, his time. And 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 secured his place in Cylon um Cylon um racism. <laughs> and uh, oh, man. It, it, it's interesting because uh, season four is where we actually get kind of a split of the seasons, a la like The Sopranos, or oh, yeah. Double O, or something like that. Sci-Fi's like, hey, this show is really popular. We need to stretch it out. We'll wait a whole year, not for the next season, but just to show you the second half of this season. Yeah. That is crap. Joke. Rich, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I was glad I wasn't watching as it was airing. That's how it pissed me off. Rich was one of the interesting things because the first half of season four ends with them actually finding Earth, and basically everybody's down on. They're excited as hell. Oh, it's Earth! You see all these ships racing down, and they get on <laughs> and now there. Now the Cylons have teamed up with the humans because they've got problems like with the Centurions, and yeah. like okay, now we got to be buddies, I guess, and uh, you know, let's go forward to Earth in the spirit of cooperation. And then, oh, by the way, Mino the, shows up. Yeah, the the <laughs> spoils uh, part. The Geiger counters are going crazy. So Mino. <laughs> yeah. <it's> a- <laughs> Yeah. Like, hey, how come how come uh, this planet Earth looks so damn gray? Yeah. What's with this dirt? Why are the Geiger counters like going off the charts? Oh. How come there's no animals or plants or grass or trees or anything? And what's with all these bones and ruins? And and all these flashbacks that the final five are having. Um, like, oh, Earth got nuked thousands of years ago. You know who Oops. took you know who took it well? Duwala. <laughs> Well, you're uh, oh, kind of you're kind of jumping the gun on there, and I am. That was literally the, jumping the gun. Jumping the gun. I wish you jumped the gun. <laughs> like Chris said, we we had a long hiatus for Ooh. the end of season four, which mm-hmm. I guess in some ways the final product justified the break. I guess, you know, and so after kind of a long hiatus, but uh, from the first part of season one to see uh, our first part of season four to the second part. Um, you know, we find out that the Earth in this timeline is was destroyed uh, basically by a nuclear holocaust, and there was whole things going on with the Cylons there. And a lot of people are taking this hard. On Talk about uh, this has all happened before and will happen again. Pretty much. And uh, every, everybody's taking this very, very hard. Um, you know, some people harder than others. And uh, so, and we see... We see everybody just uh, basically, you know, really losing face in this whole thing because throughout the whole show, this is the point that they wanted to get to, and then they find out it's just a blown-out hulk of a uh, nuclear holocaust. Jeez. And so a lot of the a lot of the uh, religious symbolism starts to go on, and we we start seeing people, you know, start questioning a lot of things in their faith. And one of the sadder things is we see uh, old Lee's ex-wife 
they finally get back together and they have a, a great night out where she ends it with a nightcap, <laughs> as in nightcap Literally. in her head. <laughs> a suicidal nightcap. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind and of that in turn makes everyone else feel even worse. She yeah. flipped her own wig. <laughs> and like we talked about, old Mr. Gata there losing his leg and having a lot of um, he was, he was issues a for some of the care mm-hmm. that he, he was, was receiving. I guess it was an HMO. It wasn't a it wasn't a regular PPO on uh, on the Galactica. It was HMO. So. HMO. Space HMO. Space HMO. Ironically, so. Gata was the last person to see Duwala before she she um she she ended her night. Oh really? Yeah. That he uh, he walked right out of the the quarters and then heard the gunshot. <laughs> Oh, Gator. And I, I think that was probably like the last straw for him, too. Man. Yeah. And he teams up with an old friend of ours, Tom Zarek, and they actually institute a mutiny aboard the Galactica. And um, they kill lots of people. Kill lots of people. <laughs> Starting with uh, Zarek ordering the uh, wholesale slaughter of the rest of the quorum. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, definitely. That, w- that was definitely Goodfellas style. Yeah, that right was. There. That was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and that that, that poor uh, that poor uh, admiral's aide that that blocked the shots against the admiral in the CIC and uh, you killed this boy. And then we go to one of the cooler parts of the show where um, you know they're unfortunately instead of just killing Admiral Adama when you got him, mm-hmm. they they, they want to make some type of example out of him. So they're trying to as walk villains him. always want to do rather yeah. than just doing it right away. <laughs> so kangaroo court case very much complicating the whole situation. And uh, then we see how bad the admiral is. Sitting there talking smack to one of the guys. <laughs> and in the end, disarms him, shoots him in the head, and tells the other guy, you know, you're either with me or you're not. And the guy's like, uh, I'll be with you. <laughs> I think I'm good, thanks. <laughs> so, don't forget about Roslyn and um, her, her, her threat from the when she escaped to the Cylon Bay ship. Yeah. And she, um, th- that made my hair stand on end when she, um, she threatened to, um, when she found out that Adama was dead, at least that's what when Gata told her that. She said she's coming for all of you. Yeah. I'm coming for all of you. It's like, oh my God, she means it. <laughs> Rich, they still kind of knew. I forget who it was when they heard that. They knew it was kind of BS because yeah. they're like, Adama wouldn't go down that way. Not that way. So it's <laughs> then again, they told him that Saul Ty died too. Yeah. And that's what like that 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 made something snap in his head too, man. Yeah. Of course, you know, Ty did. Ty's too hard to die. He, well, he's. How can he? I mean, it's like, could he actually die? He's got too much alcohol in his. That's system. right. He's like deserved. Keith Richards. <laughs> yes, it's the Keith Richards of Battlestar Galactica. Well, they once again take over the ship. Uh, you know, re- uh, regain control, and the whole focus ends up being that the stolen Cy- uh, Cylon human child Harris uh, taken back to what's we find out is the colony where they actually. Um, uh, where the Cylons went after the first Cylon War, mm-hmm. and we actually get a, another pretty good scene in there when they're when they're talking about how they're going to they're in the hangar bay and they're going to rescue this child and they bring like a they take like masking tape down the center of the thing and they're like if you're on the left side you're with that you're going to come do this on the right side you know we're not holding it against you and uh, they devise a plan to rescue this child and they basically do. And in the process of getting the hell out of where they were at, uh, they um, Starbuck jumps them to uh, Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> and Jimi Hendrix uh, promptly delivers them outside of what is basically our Earth. And <laughs> this is complete spoiler country now. And if you didn't know this from the beginning of listening to this episode, it is now. Um, you know they 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 go down to the they go down to the planet, and they find out that you know this is the second planet where humans evolved naturally in their universe the first one being the cobalt and 
you know, they decide to shun all their ships and technology into the sun, uh, conveniently being, you know, piloted by uh, Anders, who, you know, gets shot in the head. Who Brain dead robot Anders. Yeah, brain dead oh, robot man. Anders. And, um, you know, we see everybody, their, their whole plan is to take people to different parts of the continents on our Earth. And, you know, so in case the, the centurions that they had with them that actually rebelled against their program, they let them go. And, you know, they're just like, well, if they come back, well, if they come back, they do. And we see a lot of loose ends tie. We, f- we finally get the clarification that Starbuck was basically an angel. Um, the president dies and the admiral, you know, while flying with the admiral in a raptor above looking at a bunch of zebras and stuff. And, um, you know, that's basically it. We see that. And then it kind of fast forwards where the, the little girl's there and then there's the whole thing about like mitochondria Eve uh, 150 years later, 150,000 years later and we're in New York City. And it's During modern day? kind of the same thing. So in a lot of ways, this is like Star Wars a long, long time ago. In a galaxy, galaxy far, far, far away. away. So in a galaxy not so far, far away. Yeah, <laughs> not, it turns out. not too far away. So and that's kind of the way we end there. So um, thoughts on season four? guys worst ending ever <laughs> according worst to the internet season two <laughs> okay so as much as i love this show the last hour of the the two-part finale mm-hmm. is utter crap really which one yes man okay so all of the stuff that's been uh hinted at all of the mysterious goings on everything's going on in the last five years um it was all god but uh don't call him that because he didn't like it <laughs> yeah that is yeah that is that. just it that is the laziest most cop out uh narrative device ever it was all god that literally is the the deus ex machina the god in the machine yeah damn <laughs> it's yeah, all they, god they do say that in the end yeah you know, all of this nonsense of colonies and this has happened before, it'll happen again, all of, oh, it's all gone. And, you know, why it is all these years that Baltar was seeing hallucinations of Six and Six was seeing hallucinations of Baltar, all those are angels uh, and they work for God. But don't call them God. <laughs> I saw them like, what the hell is this? And then on top of that, they get to Earth and they find all of these uh, savages and, and Baltar, uh, you know, they make a joke of like, Oh, we get here, and the first thing you want to do is have sex with these natives. With <laughs> <laughs> that, that aside, uh, they all decide to just totally go native, yeah, and dump all their technology and get rid of it all. As um, as, as go ahead. What a coincidence that this second Earth just happens to have the exact same, um, you know, continental layout as the first Earth that got nuked. I mean, did did it really? I mean, I know they showed uh, it, uh, at the end of season showed, three. They showed the nuked Earth, yeah. and they showed um, the second Earth, which, of course, by implication, is our Earth. Right. They're identical. Dang. Same country, same continents, everything. Man. Well, that's I, just a minor thing yeah. compared to, you know, this total cop-out of, you know, all of the answers to the questions that you want to know, it's God. <laughs> well, I think that's, I think that to a point they make it where it's like uh, the whole mysterious thing. But I, I guess in the end, when it comes to the whole thing of shunning the technology, I, I guess it, it's hard to say because you don't, you don't get in, you know, we don't know from that situation where these people are basically being chased across the galaxy by things that, you know, maybe they didn't necessarily be, build with their own hands, but was something that was from, 
humans and you know you, you don't know and you know they went through a lot of crap so yeah I, I, so they they decided to j- get rid of all of that junk and then savages, you know yeah. like a hundred thousand years later the implication is sony ibo is is the uh, <laughs> the beginning of the next cylon <laughs> Well, I, I think that I think that kind of maybe a, I should I should burn my PS3. And I, th- I think that evolves from the whole hey, you know social commentary there, they try to do. So there was you know when the PS3 launched, they had this really weird ad campaign, and one of the magazine ads said, "The PS3, it's thinking of ways to kill you." <laughs> well, didn't it? Didn't this? Think, didn't think the Dreamcast? Then the Dreamcast? Mm-hmm. The Dreamcast, Dreamcast? It was, was always thinking. thinking too. Yeah, yeah, it was always thinking. It's thinking. So it's like. It's learning your moves in Soul Calibur, oh, and it will man. know how to defeat you. Can't sleep. PS3 will eat me. <laughs> PS3 is a Cylon, man. You'll have to get adjusted to that fact. Uh, I- I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go smash it right now. So I'll be- <laughs> man, well that 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 you you got one of the big bottles, so it's like that, <laughs> it's gonna take more than just a bat to smash that one. Regular sledgehammer. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I will use the righteous fury of God to smite this evil toaster. So the the whole divine intervention angle just didn't sway you at the end. No, because yeah. it's it's uh you know for a guy like Ronald Moore who I have really really enjoyed uh, a lot of his work on DS9 and Next Gen over the years Same and here. all of his years on Galactica mm-hmm. to have a such a cheap cop out at the very end right at the finish line to me is just like shameful. Yeah, Dang. but they they, they right. got. They kind of established it though from like about season three on that this whole divine angle. So I don't well, I don't have a problem with there being a divine angle. That's not my issue. Yeah. My issue is at the end it's like every every mysteri- every mysterious thing that happens, oh it's just God. Yeah. I guess that's <laughs> that's true. not an explanation. That's just a cheap cop out. Yeah. Well maybe they ran out of funding. I doubt that. I'm sure Sci-Fi would have been happy to throw money at them. Yeah, considering yeah, considering Sci-Fi probably wanted them to have like another five seasons. I mean, what's that's sh- why they that's why they dragged out and and tried to you know turn the second half of season four into an almost season five because it's like oh crap the show's ending and now it's getting good ratings we better drag it out. Yeah. Um, well, I was just gonna on, ask a, on a larger it network doing. it would have. <laughs> on a larger network they would have been they would have been tempted by the dark side. Are, 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 yeah. you, are you talking so, about ABC? I'm just saying. <laughs> for just me, saying. Uh, the the end of the finale it doesn't ruin the show for me. I'm I'm certainly not one of those angry trolls. Yeah, and I don't hate the finale, but I'm certainly uh, disappointed that you know some of these major concepts of the series were just so nicely wrapped up with such a stupid plot device. I guess I, I guess uh, that, that that makes sense since um, since a lot of the show was never ni- uh, nice, uh, ni- sorry um, nice and neat. You know, it, usually it, there was a choice being made. There was always consequences, and usually there was never a neat wrap up to any episode of the show. But um, I would have preferred. Just, you mm-hmm. know, what, actually, I would have preferred no explanation right. of all of these things versus that explanation. Dang. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, maybe one of the things that they were trying to do is the fact that the whole religious angle was in there, especially from like about season two on, you, you, you really get this whole thing between, you know, what the Cylons concept of God is and then what the, the, colon, the colonists had. And I think, you know, maybe that is like one of those things where even, even as you can think about it here in our real life or you know, people that are religious fanatics about things, you know, their way of explaining things sometimes is it's 
it's just divine intervention, like no matter what it might be. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not in this guy's head. I didn't find the ending that bad. Yeah, I guess it could be one of these things where it was a little a little cop out. But in the end, though, it was nice to see them finally get off those damn ships and to finally be able to, um, you know, kind of enjoy their lives, even though being an Adama is the worst thing because you lose the woman you love. It doesn't matter if you're a young Adama or an old Adama. Oh, there's another thing. Speaking of tidy explanations, um, right. what the hell is up with uh, resurrected vanishing Starbuck? <laughs> yeah. It's like... That, uh, that did, know, yeah. Apollo's down there, and he's like, hey, you know, uh, and then he turns his head, it's like, well, where'd the bitch go? <laughs> and, 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 it's, and it's weird, because, you know, throughout when she came back, everybody saw her. So it wasn't one of these things where, you know, you could say, well, maybe he, he just saw her in his mind or something like that. She wasn't and, some ghost. I mean, she yeah. was there, so... There was all this mystery about her, like, what the hell is she? She's not a Cylon. She's just alive when she should be dead because they showed her finding her own corpse. Yeah, yeah. And her blown up uh, Viper. And then it's like, what the hell am I? Guess nobody's ever going to find out because you just up and vanished. She got got the Viking funeral. Yeah, in the back of my head, I I remember an episode of uh, Amazing Stories that had that. And um, I can't remember for the life of me what that was where someone died but came back from Fort by force of sheer will and um you know because they still had a job to do and um i just i but you know it, it reminded me of that and i i guess maybe, you know maybe god did it maybe you know, maybe god. maybe the all the all uh the almighty god that oh, she was the harbinger of death right she, supposedly and, and here's the other thing um i think that the uh like that last 30 seconds of of showing like our modern society yeah one was needlessly lame yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, showing our modern society. And two, it kind of counters, it kind of ruins the whole point they were just trying to make two minutes before. Yeah. Because, you know, they start, they're, they're on Earth and they're talking about, okay, we'll build a city here. And then, you know, Apollo's like, no, man, we got to go native, dude. <laughs> and they all agree to it. And it's like, okay, you know, they broke the cycle. No more of this has all happened before and it's going to happen again. And then the last 20 seconds is, you know, evil Sony Ibo robots yeah. all coming back. It's all going to happen again, even yeah. though we just put it in your face a minute before that. No, it's not going to happen again, that they broke the cycle. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I yeah. mean, and it's funny. They, they, they even comment they, about that. They toss out their entire history in order to have a fresh start and it's like well you know if you forget your history you're doing to repeat it sometimes and um maybe that's the point they were making is that maybe they shouldn't have gone completely native um who knows if they went completely native um that might explain certain things like atlantis but you know i'm just <laughs> run off at the top of my uh, top this ain't of my stargate head, yeah this isn't stargate at all <laughs> wrong, wrong wrong sci-fi channel show this would be more like the Egyptians and the Romans and stuff and the Greeks, right? That's true. But yeah, I I got it. I got well, you know, for the most part, I enjoyed the ending. Um, I did find that last bit kind of kind of odd. I thought it was you know neat that I'm, they I'm would... good up until they uh you know they they blasted the Cylons and they uh they warped out. Yeah, <laughs> that for me that's that's after that that's when it goes uh south. So really, if the credits rolled like right after they warp out from uh, blasting the Cylons, mm-hmm. I'm like okay, that's cool. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> also, I gotta say, um, I like how at the very end, when uh, Cavill realizes that he's screwed, yeah, <laughs> yeah he just rather like... than being captured and maybe put on trial for all his crimes, he's like, "Screw this!" and he just grabs a gun and blows his brains out. Yeah, like, Rich... screw this! I'm out of here. <laughs> Boom. Rich is funny because the Cylons got they they were very fearless, 
until that uh, resurrection ship got blown up, and then they all started like rethinking what they were doing. <laughs> then <point>. they finally <laughs> knew what it was like to be human. Yeah, exactly. And he was like, you know what, F Except this. Except for him, because you know, he makes it quite clear various times, like he hates being human, he hates being in that body, he hates everything, and then yeah. you know, it's like, well, he was very eager to get out of there. <laughs> so, it's any end of the line. Any uh, any other comments or anything about season three and four, and we can. Move well, on. I've, I've got my ten. I got my ten moments of frack. Yeah, real quick that I got composed. Can we do that now, or do you want to do that in the next segment? Because we have still one more segment. Well, we we do, but it, it doesn't. Or we could just not do it at all. Well, that, that's <laughs> awesome. It has nothing to do with the next segment, actually. But um, I mentioned before. The only reason why is because the next segment might be shorter. <laughs> I have um real quick. Um, there's a uh, what I mentioned before. Apollo's speech at Baltar's trial. Then there's the Adama maneuver and the escape from New Caprica. Um, I mentioned before Where did too. Where uh, though? You said there was no, no, the not in any 10. particular order. Oh. They're just the ten moments I really enjoyed. Rosalind's murderous threat during immunity. Um, Adama channeling Satan as he tells the mutineer that they have it coming. The mutineers that they have it coming. <laughs> um, anytime Roma Lampkin opens his mouth, uh, when Colonel Ty gives Ellen the strongest drink ever, I got some. I got some satisfaction out of that. Oh, uh, <laughs> that brought head to go. Yeah. <laughs> What a skank. Oh, and don't let's not forget about um, Chief T- Chief Turo snapping Tori's neck. Oh, I, I was so satisfied. Oh, yeah. Woo! Oh, Woo! yeah. We, we, <laughs> about poetic justice. We, we, you know, all our minds are going to be connected, and we oh, might see some either. things that may not be, uh, like, too, you know, we may not, like, see it. Let's just remember that, that we're doing this for the common good. He's like, you know what? Screw this. <laughs> and it's funny. It's like he ruined every, he, he potentially ruined everything they were trying to do just because he figured out, like, oh, she spaced Callie. Yeah, yeah. He, didn't, he didn't care. He didn't care, Which man. was a horrible moment when I saw that. It's like, oh, this poor girl, you know, she's, like, you know, going nuts. She finds out that her husband's a Cylon, mm-hmm. and then uh, this freaking freaking uh, wench Tory, you know, <laughs> big nose wench. Her. No count Cylon. <laughs> freaking spaced her with no uh, no hesitation. Um, then you got um, Starbucks mysterious return and the um, the revolution that uh, apparently the uh, the Cylons like uh, Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> 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 um, Galactica's last mission. Hendrix preceded himself. <laughs> exactly. And there was Hendrix before Hendrix actually existed. <laughs> then you have the Galactica's last mission, mission, which was just it was just rocking um, experience to watch. And then Baltar's shining moment at the end, where he um, gives that speech about uh, he pretty much you know makes everybody stand down, which yeah. you know thank God because <laughs> that guy has always been uh, lambasted throughout the entire show, and he finally came through, which is really cool. But um. And my first my personal favorite moment is um, the joke about the food shortage between um, Adama and, and Ty when they're joking about the fact that this, they're, they're running so low on food that people have taken to eating paper. Yeah. And then <laughs> and Adama asks him, are they still doing that? And then Ty says no, because there's a paper shortage. <laughs> <laughs> and they laugh for like at least a full minute, and that mess is hilarious. But um, anything else, guys, before we <sighs> close it out? Nope. I'm good. All right. Well, that closes out uh, season three and four of Battlestar. We'll be back in a few months. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. They blew up my car! They blew up my car! They blew up my car! Gundam shame. They blow my goddamn car and all you got to say is the goddamn shame! No car, no money, you're having a bad day!
That's it. I'm through with you, man. I'm calling some of my homies. I'm getting alone and I'm stepping the fuck off. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast. AAAPodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. I have been having a very bad day. Just got out of jail this morning. Already I have been shot at. I was on the bus that flipped over 17 times. Bitch tried to stab me in the bathroom. Somebody blew up my Porsche. I am in a bad goddamn mood. Now I usually don't jump in when somebody's getting beat down. But this man Jack Cates is going to help me straighten out the rest of my day. Now I suggest you all back up and let us go about our business. Because you got a gun? No, because I have a gun and I pop a cap in your ass. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Welcome back, you motherfuckers. This is Gundam at MAHQ. And in this segment, we're going to wrap up our Battlestar Galactica reimagining discussion by talking about the two um, made-for-TV movies that um, that released during the course of the series. They were made-for-TV. Well, they were made for the home video market, and then they inevitably aired on television. But um, they're both—they um, were both released during the course. Well, one of them was released during the in between seasons three and four, and that would be Battlestar Galactica Razor. And then later on in this segment, we'll be speaking about the epilogue uh, movie, uh, The Plan, which uh, goes on to review over some of the the moments of, from seasons one and two. The Plan. And, um, the Plan in Silence. <laughs> <laughs> and um, shows the exploits the of what the Cylons were doing behind the scenes during those seasons. But um, in like shoveling dead bodies like your man. Oh yeah, and, and letting them on fire. Look, my 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 man. Thank you. Don't jump the gun, uh, Paul. We got to we got to tell that story. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. When the time comes, <laughs> I, I I see an opening sometimes, and just like Goku, I have to take it. Yeah, well, so. no, I'm happy for you. It's nice to see someone else jumping the gun besides me. 
But uh, <laughs> the first of the two movies. Well, I wasn't that exactly ruining anything, and I wasn't. It, it wasn't like you were in the. In, you were about to talk about it. It's like you're usually like, "Oh, don't like, worry, oh, man." Yeah, I'm, by the way, and you're like, Rah! "Don't worry, I'm gonna get you back during the news," mm-hmm. which has already been heard by this point. <laughs> but anyway, um, out of the first, out of the two movies, we're we'll be discussing uh, the first one, which is uh, Battlestar Galactica Razor, and it is pretty much the backstory of the Pegasus crew, which shows up in the middle of season two, and pretty much tells about their exploits. Um, uh, what happened during their um, during the raid on Caprica and the other eleven colonies, and how what they had to do to survive? It focuses on um, I now forget her name, but uh, Kendra. It, fo- it fo- focuses on uh, a crew member named Kendra, who um, originally just uh, she I guess she got into the military through nepotism or something like that. Um, but basically, she joins the crew of the Pegasus and and. The Admiral, Admiral um, Kane, gives her a hard time initially because she thinks she's there for all the wrong reasons. And then she... Um, which she's there. Which she is there for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, sh- it pretty much tells her story in the past when the Pegasus... Before the Pegasus joined the uh, Galactica fleet. And then in the present, which is um, at the point um, somewhere in the middle of season... Uh, season two. two where um, there's a conflict going on after... Um, Lee takes uh, command of the Pegasus, and um, it just jumps backwards and forwards between the two, telling the backstory about the things that were hinted upon, like the uh, massacre of some of the civilians who stood up against the crew of the Pegasus when the when the Pegasus um, demanded parts from the civilian ships that were in their fleet, and um, it goes into uh, showing the things that Kendra had to do in order to gain the admiral's favor and she was pretty much her uh <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> it also um it also goes into the backstory of the uh the cylon six the number six that was on board the pegasus who got lesbian found out. six the lesbian six man she i'll had- tell you what this whole sh- this whole movie had lesbian overtones in it because <laughs> i actually think the admiral wanted to get with kendra too and i mm, think there was probably i think she was a little i think she was a little I think, I think that's that's, I think, that's pretty clear. I think Kendra was a little <laughs> mad finding out that the uh, the six on there was you know carpet munching and she wasn't. Oh yeah. So so, she, so Neil, to you, this movie being an epic space opera, uh, is this the the went, lesbian no, equivalent of Galactic Heroes? Yeah. So it, it went it went completely into my my whole wheelhouse of uh, <laughs> you know my my demons of lesbians. So yeah. Nice. Everything. It it just became actually in my mind they were all topless you know just like in uh, what was that road trip when they were telling that story and he's like girls don't walk around in the bathroom topless it's my story I'm gonna tell it the way I want to tell it <laughs> <laughs> but yes yes it is the lesbian equivalent of, uh, uh, of um, it's Legend funny of Galactic Heroes when they introduced uh, Kane and her um, in in the original series I kind of got the feeling that her and that her and that particular six had some kind of past. Before um before it came to um that actual that six uh, assassinating Kane I, I I figured there was always something there I wasn't too clear if it was a, a lesbian relationship but um Razor makes that oh, totally it clear it makes it crystal and uh you know they had a little thing going before uh, good old Kendra finds out that uh that that particular um six is a Cylon when she guns down another one of them in the hallway uh, <laughs> when their ship is getting raided <laughs> she's all too happy to, to, to have that finger get pointed and, in that direction and how dumb are the centurions one just passed <laughs> by and then she guns down the humanoid and she doesn't even have to worry about that that centurion coming around her 
Yeah, the, the uh, Centurion like, keeps on going. Second. How stupid is that? Keeps How stupid on. are those robots? Speaking of Centurions, what's neat about Razor is that this is the first time you see in the series what the older um, Centurions look like. And they look just like the Centurions from the original Battlestar Galactica TV series. And they fought um, Lauren Green. Well, it's not the first time you get to see them because they showed one in the miniseries. It's the yeah. first time you see them doing oh. stuff. Yeah, yeah. You you see them doing stuff. They're animated. Because the one and in the one in uh, the miniseries was just like in a museum. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. It was in the landing bay, but it wasn't but... actually alive. Yeah, I completely was... forgot about that. But you're right. Um, it it was there, and um, you got to see them walk and talk, and it just gave me nightmares, flashbacks of the original show. But <laughs> what's your father yelling at? Well, you? my father don't sat, speak during this. Sat me down in front of. Damn like, you! This is good television. Wait till the commercial. To... Why'd oh. you break my band tape? Oh, dad. Oh, Dad, you tell me you love me after after the commercial, <laughs> during the commercial. Damn you, kid! But I don't care if you need dinner right now, and it's 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this movie also gives is almost kind of a uh, foreshadowing of the role that Starbuck is going to play later on in the series at the very end. I'd almost suggest you watch it after the um the whole the whole Kane mutiny. <laughs> in season two, but there's a little bit of giveaway later on in the series that you don't want to see until you get to that point at the end of season three. So, um, ah, but, ha, ha, can mutiny, how clever. <laughs> anyway, um, I will turn it over to Chris and get his some of his impressions on Battlestar Galactica Razor. It's 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 a good that um, they made this movie because it sort of uh, helped um, you know give me a little fix in between seasons three and four. Mm-hmm. I was feeling uh, you know separation anxiety and, and withdrawal, so uh, this movie just hit the spot when it aired, and uh, it's good to see more of the Pegasus because never got to do too much while it was around, and then had to die a fiery death <laughs> far too soon. But uh, it's good to see the inner workings of that messed up ship, as we described in the first segment, and you know see all from their perspective all the difficult choices they made, which I don't know if I would agree with because you know when you get, become like Kane and you have to um, go so far and compromise so much to give up your humanity for survival, what's the point of surviving? Yeah, that's true. If you're giving up your own humanity, what makes you better than a Cylon if you know you're leaving people? You know, tons of people to die just so that you live yeah. and do it in a very heartless manner. Seems pointless. It, it's it sort d- of like the opposite, you know, whereas the Scions were becoming more human, people on the Pegasus were becoming more robotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just shocking to see some of this stuff. Um, it's nice that they introduce uh, a new character because uh, Kendra doesn't appear in the TV show at all. Yeah. And, of course, the fact that she dies at the end conveniently removes her from continuity so that it's not a whole. Yeah, it's not a big mess up there. You know. Yeah, it's not a mess up. And you didn't really see uh, you know, Lee having uh, an XO on the TV show right when he took over. So yeah. you know, it, fills in, uh, it fills in that gap. Yeah. So. And it's not a problem. Also, uh, what was interesting is that uh, at the end, it kind of uh, teased you on some things going forward because uh, Kendra had a run-in with um you know on that base star uh a hybrid who told her about how you know starbuck is is going to lead people to destruction and don't follow her and yada yada yeah Mm -hmm. which you know is playing off of what was happening in between seasons when this aired so i thought that was kind of interesting that they took a look back at stuff you've already seen but also uh teased you about uh some things you hadn't exactly yeah so Say uh, overall, it's a uh, a solid uh, TV movie. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree there too, because it, like you said too, it you you do find, you get a kind of a, a view of what the Pegasus was 
and you know you just kind of get the scope of the ship and everything because you know it is like about two or th- it's probably about twice the size of the Galactica and and it's funny too because those ships always remind me of like uh, alligators or crocodiles because they got that look to them and they're like so slow but then when it comes to be battle time they get real quick and you know we saw that in the uh, pr- the previous series but um you know, it, it it comes down once again. It goes to that whole dilemma thing, the whole ethical dilemma thing of like, um, you know, you can't necessarily agree with what Admiral Kane did, but you sometimes don't know what you would do if you were put in the same situation because you could tell that, you know, she cared for the uh, the lesbian six a lot, and then when she found out that the lesbian six was, uh, you know, the embodiment of everything that she hated and despised, it probably screwed her up. And I, I, you know, and you know, I, I think that's. It, it becomes apparent when they have that dinner with the officers, and it's like you know she's getting all like, you know, all chummy chummy with the lesbian six, and um, you know, it's it. You could see that it was just, you know, it. I think that crew just they they didn't know what was worse to be stuck with this crazy lady or the Cylons. <laughs> I think at least with the with the Cylons, they kind of knew where they stood with this crazy lady. You, you know, know, with the Cylons, you can expect just subjugation. Yeah, death or experimentation. You know, with her, it was just like you, you didn't know. And and I, I think one of the best parts about it at the end was when uh, Admiral Adama said, you know, look, you know, he's talking to um, Lee about it, and he's, you know, goes, I don't know, and you know, I had the I had the comfort of knowing that I'd have. President Rosalind and then Saul Ty and pulled me on other either side, and he's mm-hmm. like keeping me in check. And he's like, I don't know. It's like I can't say that what she did was wrong, but I don't know if I couldn't do. I wouldn't be capable of the same thing put in the same situation. So it, it's just um, you know, it's it's nice, and we get a little. We actually get a little bit of uh, fan service seeing how at least the the Cylons blew up the the shipyards where the Pegasus was done, and I mean, man. Talk about some uh, some boom, flashbang boom. They laid uh, waste to the place. It. But, um, you know, it's very good. And, I, you know, um, uh, it, it just was just kind of a nice standalone thing. And, and also kind of brought in that whole mythos of what they were doing with um, the, um, you know, how the silence were experimenting on humans. Because I watched the extended version on the DVD and mm-hmm. you got to see some of the stuff. And you had the, I think it was the extended flashback of Adama. Yeah. When he was a, when he was a fighter pilot. That was awesome. The last thing. And it just, it just kind of showed the brutality of that, of that war. And I, I think, you know, after they do the, the current, the current show that they're doing, Caprica, I'm sure down the road they're going to want to try to explore the, uh, you know that war because it, it just turns out to be, and you could see even with Admiral Kane's flashbacks, it was a lot more brutal than you really thought. Like when they, when they showed her with her family and they're trying to escape <laughs> and everything. I mean, everything was like destroyed. It was like, oh my god, this is just terrible. So, but uh, you know, definitely nothing that it, it's not one of these things where if you don't watch it, you're not gonna miss anything. But it just kind of further brings in, you know, kind of ties up some loose ends with that whole Pegasus arc and, uh, you know, helps you kind of get in that whole, that whole type of spirit there. So, but. I mean, it's worth watching if anything. I mean, oh, I'm not saying it's not, but yeah. I'm saying if, if it's one of these things, if you don't see it, you're not going to be like missing. If you, all you watch was the show, yeah, you're not going to be missing a big part of it, you know? Yeah. So I guess it's just seen more as an addendum to, um, some of the events that happen and, 
like Chris said, it fills in a a, a gap in the series that um, where you know they they just jumped ahead and didn't fill in this part. And um, to me, I, I thought it was an excellent watch. Um, I think that uh, for anybody who's missed it, who's watched all about Star Galactica, you should definitely go back and watch Razor. Uh, I like the whole insight on Kane herself, just as Neo mentioned, where she loses her sister to uh, during that Cylon raid. Um, well, during her, doesn't youth. lose her, <laughs> abandons her. Yeah, and it, when she comes out, her sister's gone. So yeah. God, God knows what what became of her fate. But um, <laughs> well, I, I think that all clicked when she found out Lesbian Six was a Cylon. Oh ho ho ho! I, I, you know, that's part of the thing that I get from that because yeah, it was just like oh, they you just can, disappeared. And you can just see that she was messed up from from a long time oh, ago. Geez. It's just that it didn't it didn't start to really manifest itself until you know she realized she couldn't trust anyone. And she became that paranoid leader that just was out for just revenge and and living for something that just wouldn't you know just wouldn't 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 um profit in the end and it 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 makes her character a bit more sympathetic, unlike in the show where you know you just don't know what the heck is her deal. you hear about some things, but you really get to see things from her point of view and um I liked her character a bit more after seeing razor and um then you have uh then you have Kendra. Who um, I think would have been a cool addition to the to the series cast, but the way the way that um, Razor was written, like after way after the end of season three, there's really no way to 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 to, to keep her character in the in the flow of things. It just wouldn't make sense continuity wise. She seemed like the officer version of that that fighter pilot. What the hell was her name? Oh, um, oh you're talking about Cat? the girl that died. Yeah, Cat. Oh, they seem like the same kind of person. Whether just. You know, I think she she had a she had a different kind of edge, but yeah, she was. They kind of were the same way. They both pissed so. off Starbuck, which is hilarious. But in in the end, I I dug Razor a lot, and um, I I I think everybody should check that out if you haven't already. And that would bring us on to the next movie, uh, <laughs> The Plan, which is uh, featuring Solbro's man. My. <laughs> well, um, I I have a question. Um, I the, know that the Edward, the, the, uh, the dung shoveler. <laughs> Or the uh, the the body the, the body shoveler <laughs> the body shoveler. But um, I know that Edward James almost directed several episodes of the show and the plan. Did he also direct Razor, or was that somebody else? Uh, somebody else. Yeah. yeah, made a big deal about him directing the plan, so I would think Razor was somebody else. That's true. But um, it's directed by um, Adama himself, Edward James almost, and um, basically it's t- it tells the backstory during seasons one and two about what the Cylons were doing. Um. To 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 steer the events of what what pretty much happened in season two, all the um, the different attempts to take out Adama and um, uh, the mystery behind the uh, personality switching of uh, of the original number eight uh, Boomer uh, when she couldn't remember half the things she did to sabotage the Galact. Um, it, it it showed exactly. Or perhaps sabotage. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, William Shatner. But um. <laughs> It shows uh, pretty much the dynamic there. The fact that um, the number one Cylon, played by, of course, um, Al from Quantum Leap, Dean Stockwell, uh, he was on board the Galactica pretty much from day one as a um, as a priest on there. We, we were introduced to him towards the end of season two, an actual run of the show, but of course he was on the ship the entire time. And he as was a priest who uh, who shanks little kids, as yeah. shanks little jits. And it's funny they kind of show that dynamic between him and the other number one that's um, embedded in uh, Sam's resistance group, where he's becoming um, more sympathetic to the humans 
and he's beginning to understand them more. And by the end, they both have op- opposing views when they're about to get airlocked. <laughs> but uh, no, the plan was very cool. Out of the two movies, I enjoyed the plan a little bit more because you know it just helped to, to fill in some of the details that were missing from uh, some of the episodes and some of the points where it's like, well, what the hell just happened here? And um, it fills it fills in those seams nicely. I mean, about forty percent of it is reused footage from the actual TV show, so it's almost like watching a, a recap. But it's an it's a very entertaining recap. And I, 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 I if yeah, anything, here is direct associate director uh, Fakuda from uh, Fakuda <laughs> Gundam Seeds. But before I go on and on, um, I'll, <laughs> I'll pass the mic to Chris again to get his take on <laughs> the plan. I thought it was uh, interesting, you know, to show things from the silent perspective, and it really helps to build up uh, Cavill mm-hmm. and just his loathing of humanity. Yeah. And really set him up as how he takes center stage as the main villain. And it's good to see all these gaps filled in, although I did notice for a Cylon movie focusing on all of these models and giving some of them more screen time than they've had in the TV show, mm-hmm. uh, there's a very noticeable uh, lack of Lucy Lawless and her character. Yeah. yeah does not appear in the movie at all and i was left kind of scratching my head about that because you know her character plays a big part in the series so yeah where the heck did she go was she um did did that ever get answered because i think she's she was off filming spartacus when they when they filmed that movie at least that might have been the case there why would she be doing this then um don't know because <laughs> <she, she, laughs> from what i've heard her about husband, spartacus her, her husband produces spartacus so i mean if anything um that's probably where she was in New Zealand filming that at the time they did the plan. But I, I kind of wish she was in there. She was sorely missed in that. Well, even if you know, even if she couldn't be in it, there's no mention of her at all. It's almost as if yeah. her model doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, you see her once or twice in in reused footage, but that's about it. She doesn't even say one word. <laughs> yeah. So that to me is a little like a little odd. Like where you know, where where'd she go and how come they didn't have even something with her? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I thought the movie was very enjoyable. It was nice to revisit a lot of these things from a different perspective, but definitely um, the movie makes no sense at all if you've never seen the show, so oh, it's yeah. certainly not something to expose someone to on their first time, and it's not something to see if um, you've never watched the show. Yeah, certainly don't watch it before um, you complete yeah, the show. It's going to spoil a lot of stuff, and it it's just it's not going to make any sense if you haven't seen the TV show, because this is definitely something that's meant for people who have seen the TV show. Exactly. Yeah, I, I would have to say that with this one and uh, and Razor, it's like if you d- Razor a little less so, a little less so, but you it still stands g- a little bit more on its own. But this, like the way yeah. it just jumps from like scene to scene to scene over time, yeah. you know, if you had no idea what the hell was going on in the TV show and hadn't seen it, then you'd have no idea what's going on with yeah. the plan. And, and and you get the you get the great thing about the plan is you know they wanted to get rid of the humans but they wanted those colonies for themselves. <laughs> so it's, and you it, sort of see a little bit more of like the internal dissent on their side of like what to do because you know the Cylons they're kind of a little schizophrenic. First they yeah. want to wipe out humanity, then they're chasing them but don't wipe them out. Then they want to subjugate them on New Caprica. Then they want to do God knows what with them. Then they decide to coexist with them. Yeah. And, and, and it show it just kind of helps illustrate how um, human the signs are becoming that you know they they're not in robotic lockstep agreement with each other, and, right. and especially with uh, Cavill because you know because the you know in essence the plan didn't work the way it was supposed to work, um, and they're having to deviate things. You know it, it drives him insane, and you know it drives his different models insane of like and when he starts dealing with some of the other ones like uh, Solbro's man and everything like that. Oh. And, you talking about you know, Aaron? Number five. Yeah. Man, my man is Simon. Number four, Doral. man. No, 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 no. <laughs> Your man is number five because 
Uh, <laughs> there's a scene in the plan, and as I watched this, this is the very first thing that occurred to me, knowing right. discussing this, mm-hmm. um, where one of the uh, the Dorals he comes up to Cavill on Galactica, and he's wearing one of those stupid suits he always has on, and Cavill's like, uh, <laughs> "How are you doing?" You know, dressed up like that, and he's like, "Oh, that other that other one of me, uh, you know, his jacket was uh, burgundy. This one is teal." <laughs> Which is even more obvious. <laughs> like, okay. And then he gives him the suicide vest. Yeah. And the guy pulls himself up right next to Adama, but doesn't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and then later we see a whole bunch of these guys, these number fives. They're on Caprica, shoving all the dead bodies, complaining, why do they have to do this when it should be the Centurions exactly. doing it? And at that moment I said to myself, this is Solbro's man for this series. <laughs> Because they're lower than the mass-produced centurion. <laughs> they're human Cylons, but they're the bottom of the um, they're the bottom of the b- the barrel for them, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Even the, lower uh, than Tori. They're the runoff. <laughs> they're the runoff. Damn. <laughs> the redheaded stepchild of the Cylons. <laughs> Outstanding. But yeah, it's um, you know, it, it's it's a good you know, it, it, it's a nice revisit because you. You do kind of, you know, in the back of your head when you're watching the original show, it's like, yeah, they're, you know, the Cylons are out to kill humanity, but, you know, what is their overall thing? Is it just to kill them and just go back to where they were? But, you know, you see that they, you know, wanted to kill them and, and settle back into those areas. And, and, you know, once again, it shows that whole thing of, you know, because the, the plan didn't work exactly the way that they wanted to, it, it you know, it, it shows one of the things that, in this show and other shows when you have man against machine a lot of times man is able to outwit machine because he's able to look outside the box where you know sometimes the machine is just you know stuck in that same box so the adama maneuver it's interesting seeing the the struggle of you know the machines that are becoming more human and the ones who don't want to because you've got you know cavill who wants to be more machine and makes this many times and then you've got um you know the sort of way they highlight uh one of the number fours who had um, a wife and adopted child, yeah. and you know you see that he's become more human. He wants to, you know, spare them when he's told to blow up their ship. Oh, and then at the very end, when it comes down to it, uh, he spaces himself out of the range of a resurrection ship because he couldn't bring himself to blow up that ship and kill them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which added a lot more depth to to that model because that guy was just in the background a lot and never really did too much during the TV show. Like, yeah, like he seems so cold. And, and but Doral's mediocre. Yeah, and that didn't change from the TV show to the plan. It certainly didn't. Yeah, they actually he got he got he got downgraded a lot more so in the plan than he did in. The, <laughs> yeah, my opinion of him went down with the plan, whereas my opinion of of uh, Simon. Simon oh. Well, at least somebody somebody's making strides. <laughs> but um, any other um, any other insights on the plan, gentlemen? Not watch really. it if you've already seen the TV show. Yeah, well, it is definitely. I it mean, is, you can't really go. I mean, there's not really too much more to be said on it. It's so. definitely made for the fans of Galactica. So if you haven't seen it yet, go seek it out. Um, especially the uncut version where you get to see a booby occasionally. <laughs> They've got their own version of the spot, the bada bang. We call it the space bada bang. <laughs> but um. If anything, uh, that brings our g- discussion on Battlestar Galactica to a close, and we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ. Did you order the code red? Goddamn right I did! 
need a cake but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery, in the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. You're driving along, you're driving along, and all of a sudden the kids are yelling from the backseat, I gotta go to the bathroom, Daddy! Not now! God damn it! Perhaps those who may be among us tonight for the first time may be wondering what is going to happen now. And so ends another episode of Gundam at MHQ, episode 47 here, where we did what we did in the first part of uh, 2010 and, and devote a whole episode to a particular um, uh, sci-fi franchise, uh, this time doing it to the reimagined uh, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, in this one, we covered the miniseries, seasons one through four, uh, the two movies, uh, The Plan and Razor. And uh, before we get out of here, Chris, is there anything on this MHQ front or that's out there that we need to take care of? Uh, no. Nope. All right. Nope. Well, we'll go to, to Solbro then with some of the contact information for everyone. Well, everybody can check us out um, at these websites, uh, mahq.net. The Mecha and Anime Headquarters. Um, you can also find um, information on every episode of Gundam at Gundam.net. Um, you can also hit the forums for um, um, MAHQ, uh, which is uh, MechaTalk.net, and you'll find a subform for Gundam there. Um, you can find links on our Gundam.net website for us on iTunes, Zoom, um, Facebook and so on and so forth. And um, if you want to reach us by email, you can send us emails to uh, GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. And last but not least, you can find us on Twitter. Um, just go to twitter.com slash MAHQ, D-O-T-N-E-T. Also, um, just want to um, let everybody know that um, we will be at MegaCon this year. That's right. Um, it's March the 12th, isn't it? Through the 14th. And um, we're going to have a recording session on Friday and also on Sunday. On Friday, it will be from 8 to 10, correct? 8 to 10, yeah. 8 to 10 in the evening? PM. 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 Please don't show up at 8 in the morning. You will be <laughs> disappointed. Uh, <laughs> and on Sunday, we'll. Uh, do we know what the times are for that yet? Oh, God. We okay. don't know yet, but we'll no, get more information on MHQ. And yeah. Silver, why don't you tell them? what city this convention is in that might be helpful for people. it would be yeah. very helpful um megacon is a convention here in central florida um it's in orlando and it's held at the orange county convention center um if you're looking for further information just go to megaconvention.com and they'll have information on this year's convention which is from march the 12th through the 14th and i turn it back over to you neil well that's um everything there and I just want to also let people know that if there's things out there they'd like to purchase part of uh, the Neo collection is up for sale <laughs> so uh, you can give me an email at neomhq dot or at gmail.com because I have a lot of things that I'm trying to uh, get rid of so um, just uh, contact me personally will they be signed by you I, I can sign them if you'd like but yeah they they are they are things that are owned by me so for all those fans out there that want stuff owned by me there you go or you no know, just some stuff that you'd like in general because 
I'm looking to get rid of some of this stuff. But um, that's well, it. If that's for uh, Chris and Solbro, we'll be back in a little bit um, in the next couple weeks with episode 48. And uh, just uh, keep all your comments and everything coming to us. And we'll see you then. Talk to you later. So um, I don't uh, have anything to do with the show officially. Which might be why it's so good. Um, if I did, they'd be saying a lot worse than frack. We would find the quasi-futuristic equivalent of cocksucker. But, um, and hopefully we'll get to the bottom of why they haven't presented that on the show yet. Um, so, um, as is uh, the want for almost any Comic-Con, when they bring out people you really want to ask questions uh, to, they insist on showing a f***ing clip first. So, um... <laughs> So we, the good folks at Sci-Fi and B-Star-G, as we like to call it, my house, put together a little clip reel we're going to roll right now, and then we'll get into some combo. So check it out. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. I don't want to be human. I want to see gamma rays. I want to hear x-rays and I, I want to I want to smell dark matter. I want to reach out with something other than these prehensile paws and feel the solar wind of a supernova flowing over me. I'm a machine and I could know much more.